Hey, welcome in. Glad you're along for the ride on a Monday installment of the program with Hayes Carly and Lauren Brooks and Andrew Gibson. I'm Frank Frangie on a gorgeous President's Day. Hope you're enjoying your day today. If you had the day off, I hope you played golf, went to the pool, went for a bike ride, did a little horseback riding, maybe some hiking, some spelunking. When's the last time you spelunked? It's been a while. Yeah. I like the stalagmites. Yeah. Those are the ones that, how about that? hang how about from that? the I'm the trying to be a smart-ass guy and say a word I know. He just trumped me right out of the gate, didn't he? See there? When's the last time you spelunked? I've never spelunked. Hmm. Would I've, you do that? I've no. done yeah, you're, climbing. That no. wouldn't be your thing. I'm not spelunk. I'm not, are you yeah. kidding me? I'd kill myself. I'd be so I'd be so uncoordinated on that. I'd have no chance. What I think are the, the really adventurous slash insane people. Yeah. Are the scuba divers that'll go through the caves, caves and stuff? Yeah. My dad did that a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. you got guts. Yeah, because you get stuck in one of those things, only a matter of time. I get claustrophobic <laughs> hearing you tell that story. Yeah. Hearing you just suggest it. That's yeah, I am. So. We were in North Carolina one time, and we were gonna go look in one of the caves, and I was okay as long as I could see the natural light behind me, and then the moment. That we like took another step farther, and they wanted us to go down this hallway. I was like, "And I'm out," and yeah. I went right back out to the front of the the entrance, and I was yeah. like, "You guys have your fun. I'll be outside." Yeah. So there you go. That'd be a tough way to go. And, yeah, yeah, it'd be, <laughs> right, right. There's not a lot of good ways to yeah, go. But that'd be a tough. That'd one. be one of the bad ones. That'd yeah. be one of the bad ones. But glad you're with us on the program. Beautiful day today. Uh, I do want to thank um, all the folks that made the walk off high school baseball tournament uh, one of the best ones we've ever had. Smooth and uh, twelve wonderful programs that play hard. Our friends from Jacksonville Umpire Association <clears throat> donated three-man crews, and they were fantastic. Uh, it, it was it, We had so many people donate so much. I told Steve earlier, I sure appreciate 1010 letting us go out there every every just about every day when something else isn't going on and, and to tell people about it and bring people out. It was a it was one of those good weeks, man. It was just a good week of baseball, and it kicked off baseball the right way and great weather and good, and good baseball, too. I mean, good, damn good baseball. seemed like that Providence Trinity game must have just been one for the ages. One heck of a game. And, some, and there were some there were some mega bombs hitting that thing now. There was some the ball the wind the wind blew out on Saturday. It was a little chilly and the wind was blowing dead out. And that park's not it's not a big park. It's 315 down the line, 350 to center. So for high school teams, you know, it's a, it's a good high school park, but it's it's not a big one. And that ball so it was a heck of a game, boy. It was 12-11 back and forth it came and Trinity beat Pro two good teams by the way. Those, those, they, they're in this. I think they're in the same. Gibby, what is it? Is, is it the same district or same section? Or they're, they have to play against each other. They're yeah, I, I'd have to look to see. They might be in the same district, they, but yeah, really good teams. But they do play each other now. They do have to beat each other to move on or to be the top two. So, but it, that's two, the two really good teams. So it was, it was, we loved it. So Stanton, Trinity Christian, and Sandalwood all walked away with trophies. Correct. They all got the plaques, and they they, that's awesome. and they were nice. In, and they were in, and we we. We we wanted all of the pools to be competitive, and they were. We had we had three Good. competitive pools, and so yeah, congratulations to Stanton, um, to Trinity, and to uh, to uh, Sandwood Stanton, coached by Kyle Fleming, Trinity coached by Jonathan Murphy, the younger brother of Daniel Murphy, of course, and uh, Sandwood coached by Tim Moses. Boy, they've got a good team. <clears throat> Sandwood's got a bunch of kids that have played together since they were like ten. That's, oh, that's awesome. Fun. And yeah. now they're seniors, still playing together. Which is really cool. They all live in that area, that Fort Caroline, Sandwood area, and they, they've they've been together forever. And this is the year they've kind of waited for. I, I I've told you this story before. We we did that in Inglewood. We had a bunch of guys that played together. You know, we all played together as ninth graders. We all played, and most of most of us went to Southside. Just about every just about everybody on the team that was in Inglewood also was at Southside Junior High. 
and our senior year, we were really good because you, we had played together forever, you know. So it, and so, so I could see, I, I saw our team and their team a little bit, you know, our Inglewood team back in the seventies. So and how many would you estimate players will play at the next level? Uh, you talking junior college? Anything? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I would say out of that tournament, I would say of the twelve teams, which means over two hundred players, I'll bet you. 70. Oh, wow. Okay. Play college baseball. Now I'm counting, I'm counting a cup of coffee in junior college. Yeah. I'll bet you give me a mile off the mark to say of those 200, 250 players that uh, 20 or 30 of them will play division one. No, not out of that 200. Not, yeah. not at all. And, you know, I was going to tell you guys this the other day. So last year, and this is the same case this year, but so max preps, people that know high school sports know what max preps is. They did a ranking of best high school baseball cities in America. Jacksonville was top five. Yeah, I totally believe that. I, the, the baseball – Hayes, you made the point last week that we're known for football, but baseball might even be better. I think baseball is better. In yeah. terms of the talent that this area produces, yeah. as good as football is, uh, I think the baseball is, particularly the depth. I yeah. mean, the depth of the talent that comes out of here and has for 40 years is astonishing. There was So here's a fun story. So there was a, we had a guy in our tournament, a young guy in our tournament, young man – Two three years ago, two years ago maybe, named Cherokee Nichols. Uh, I know me, him. I know him. Okay, so you remember him, don't you? Give oh yeah. Him? So his name's Cherokee Nichols. He can smash the ball. Six one, probably two. Looks like a linebacker. Two twenty five. Good looking kid. Big straw. Big shoulder. Square shouldered kid. Um, he hit one out of our park two years ago. That you know where that that the scoreboard is in left field, right? <clears throat> I'm not exaggerating when I tell you this. It was probably 10 feet over the scoreboard going up. Big right-handed hitter, Cherokee Nichols. He's at UNF now. He had a home run over the weekend. And that's the story I was going to tell. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know what happened with him. Yeah. And I said, I knew he went to a junior college in the panhandle, but he wanted to play pro ball. He, his goal was to get drafted and play pro ball. And then I kind of lost track of him. He's at UNF, batting third, and hit a bomb yesterday. And so uh, it'll be kind of fun to watch him because he's one of the – this guy, when he runs into one, it's still going. So uh, it was kind of fun. So good start to baseball. Did you have fun calling those JU games over the weekend? I did. Uh, JU dropped uh, two games out of the three, but uh, I think offensively they're going to be just fine. Um, Evan Crest is a freshman on the mound that JU threw on Friday night. He struck out nine in his first Jacksonville action. So look out for him. Evan Crest is going to be a terrific – he's got an electric fastball. I don't know what he got up to, but uh, they say mid to high 90s, so – I mean, he's he's going to be really good. Chris Armstrong hit a home run. The grad transfer from Florida uh, hit a home run yesterday. Uh, Eighteen to six, tough loss for him yesterday. We had a marathon on Saturday. Uh, Sixteen innings uh, on Saturday for wow. Ju and Kent State. Kent State won it uh, in that one, ten to six. Ju won six five on Friday. But I asked uh, Hayes, Chris Hayes, uh, Frank on on Saturday or actually yesterday, are you in favor of the Ghost Runner? Because he's like, nope, don't like the Ghost Runner because that would have. That's what Major League Baseball is trying to prevent, the 16-inning right. games, so you don't burn up all your arms, and that's why they're having the runner at second base. Yeah, and if you see a 16-inning game, it makes you think twice about it. But yeah, JU loses two out of three yep. over the weekend. But again, one went well, and one went 16 innings, so you can certainly be forgiven for that. And UNF won two out of three over the weekend. They did they against played, Murray State. They played, And they've got some good local players as well. Uh, two, two of those really good players on that Bartram team um, – Justin Nadu, who could yep. really hit, and Alex Lodice, who can really hit, are now both starting as freshmen for JU and UNF, respectively. That's right. And Nadeau's at uh, 
at JU. And, He's leading off, too. Yep, and uh, Lodice is playing shortstop and starting for UNF. So, a lot of good baseball in our area. So, it was, it was kind of fun, fun baseball weekend. A lot of things to get to. Bucky Brooks had a cool list. Did you see the Bucky's, the story about the, the open window? Uh, no. It was a really good story he wrote on NFL Network. He's our, our buddy. Super Bowl window. Super, Super Bowl window. Did you yeah. see it? Mm-hmm. Really good story of the eight teams that have – and here's why. There's eight teams that this is their Super Bowl window. And the Jags are in there. Now, you can say, well, Bucky works on the Jags Network. Maybe that's why he said that. But I don't think so. Bucky's really good. And if you read the story, it explained why. So I'm going to get into that. I think that I think there's some significance to that. I want My Jaguar topic today, when you look at this roster – Project how these Jaguars will one day be, specifically, individually, will one day be remembered. It's an easy prediction with Trevor. The prediction is he's going to be one of the most beloved Jaguars of all time. I mean, it happened, but I mean, if you were going to predict it, maybe one of the most beloved Jaguars of all time and go down in history and, and you know, have his name on the stadium. I mean, it may not happen, but if you're, if you're making a prediction, that would be the prediction, I would think. We'll go through a lot of the players. Are, are there any that will be remembered fondly other than him? I mean, they're all fondly, but I'm like really fondly. So, so we'll talk about how they'll be remembered. I want to get to that. John Rom just keeps on keeping on, doesn't he? I, again, I think he's the best golfer in the world. I, I really do. I was glad he was pushed though for a while. I was too. Like, well, that Max made Hol- it more intriguing. Yeah, and he's a good player too. Now mm-hmm. you gotta Max love Homa, Max yeah. Homa. Max Homa is a good player. Him. I mean, he's a good. Yeah, he's. I mean, look, there's a here comes and, another star. That, yeah, yep. that's exactly right. The wave doesn't stop. The wave of players doesn't stop. It really doesn't. But, uh, but I do. I think. I think John Rom is. I think he's the best player. I've been telling you guys I think that. I thought it since the end of last year. I think he's the best player in the world. And here's how much I think that. I wouldn't even be surprised to see him, maybe not the way Tiger did it or even the way Duvall did it before him, but I wouldn't even be surprised to see a little bit of a gap between he and whoever's next, Rory or Scheffler or whoever. And that's saying something because we're talking about great players. And I don't mean a big gap. I don't mean he's going to win eight times and no one else is going to win twice, but but we'll see. I I think he's a really good player. So he wins again. I want to say he's won three out of his last four starts or I something think that's like right. that. Three of five. So three of five. Three of five. Three of five. Yeah. So I mean, so you keep doing that. There's going to be a gap. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's right. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Some college basketball over the weekend. Uh, we'll talk about that. There's a story out there that college football is seriously considering a number of rules to speed up the game. Have you seen this story? Yeah, they've got to do it. it yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You like all the rules? I the the easiest one for me is to shorten the halftime. Yeah, I uh, it doesn't have to be an NFL quick twelve. Right, but it feels like I know it's supposed to be twenty. It's not. It but, feels like it's twenty five. That's the one they're not discussing. I, it's crazy. Yeah, they 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 got four or five rules they're talking about, and shortening halftime is not one of them. And it's the easiest one. I I like the running uh, the clock after a first down. Uh, I I'd have no problem with that. But they do need to speed up the college game. It is. It's getting just out of hand with yeah. how long it takes. Yeah, I'm, I, I may go the other way. I'm having trouble. You're right. Logic says you're right. But I'm having trouble. I'm just such an old college football guy that I'm having trouble with some of the projections. We're going to go through every one of them, though. See if we like it, we'll all vote on it. I hated the clock would still run on an incomplete Well, pass. you can't do that. Yeah, what are you, what I mean, are you talking that, that, about? Because that changes football. Even the NFL doesn't yeah, do the that. Sport, and, and there's no and, level of the sport. Yeah, and they're committed to a three-hour yeah, game. Yeah, there's no level of the sport that does that. Yeah. No, no, so you, so you can't. But we'll talk about all those. Uh, the Gator basketball team, Shimmy. Is the Shimmy era begun, Brooks? I don't think you can you say that. You don't think the era's begun? No, well, they're shimmying so. out of the NIT. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. The um, Shimmy made a couple threes, so uh, we'll certainly talk about that. Did you know who Mac McClung was? I did not. Did you know who no. Mac McClung was? Gibby, did you know who Mac McClung was? No. I thought he, just by looking at him, I thought he might have played somewhere like Duke or somewhere like that, but no. Okay. Didn't I, know him. I can tell you this. 
I remember him being on that Texas, that good Texas Tech team that Chris Beard coached. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you much about him. I remember him being on the team. I had no idea he could run and dunk. That so I couldn't have told you what he was good at. That was phenomenal. I mean, it really was, but I couldn't I couldn't have told you what he was good at. But I remember him being that Texas Tech team was good now. Mm-hmm. And and I remember him being on that Texas. They I remember, were one seed one year. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I don't him know being if on, it was that year. But. I don't know, but but I remember him being on that Texas Tech team. But that's that's all I got for you. So I got a lot of things to talk about today on the program. Let's start with some Jaguars. How they'll be remembered. A little bit about Bucky's column that they are one of the eight in the window. We'll talk about that. We'll get to some college football, college hoops, and a whole lot more. Glad you're with us on this Monday. As always, our Monday brought to you by the best bet. Man, you want to have a good time. There's three ways to do it. Now you can do it in Orange Park. You can do it in uh, here in town on Monument Road. You can do it uh, down in St. Augustine, that beautiful new location. Frank Frangie, Hayes, Carline, Lauren Brooks, Andrew Gibson. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Frank Frangie, Hayes, Carline, Lauren Brooks, and Andrew Gibson with you. Uh, let's start with the NFL. Lauren, you got a little news for us there? I do. Jeremy Feller tweeted out that Jim Bob Cooter is expected to be named the offensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts. Of course, he has been the Jaguars' passing game coordinator. So Trevor Lawrence looks like we'll be losing one of his trusted advisors. Yeah, he's a good coach. I'm not surprised. In fact, I was a little bit surprised that he landed on a staff without a coordinator title or, or, or the like. So I, uh, I mean, I can tell you he's he's respected now. That this is a guy that people think is a good football coach. I so. When people that I trust and know told me when all this coordinator started happening, that Jim Bob, before we ever read that he was in play, mm-hmm. I was told that he's a guy that was going to get in play, really understands the game, really understands the whole processing of it all. And so I was told that he would he would be in play. So, Hayes, not only do you lose a guy that I think is a good football guy, but you lose him to a rival who certainly knows your football team. Jaguar bait. Yeah. That's what Jim Bob Cooter is now. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a good move, yeah. obviously. Absolutely, uh, good move. It's a good him. hire. Um, good luck with Will Levis, and uh, <laughs> you know, get used to getting swept every year because that's he, what's going to happen. Do you think he gets any input in the quarterback decision with the general manager and the head? Oh, coach? sure he would. Sure he would. I I think new coordinators. I think um, I think in this day and age, yes, I think you will have now. Now again, they hired an offensive coach to be the head coach, who's been a coordinator. But, no, I would think I, – I would absolutely think you – I mean, he's not, he's not going to pick him. But, yeah, oh, yeah, I think there's a brain – he's a smart guy now. I will tell you he's a smart guy. And so why would you not, you know? So I, I, I would think that. Well, it'll be, it'll, be, it'll be very interesting to see the way this whole thing, uh, this whole thing plays out. So we'll see. The, the draft is going to be so interesting because of all the dynamics of the quarterbacks. I read – Somebody had a was it Baumgartner that had the great story on Anthony Richardson? Did you guys see that? Mm-hmm. It was really good. Did you read it, Lauren? I did not. What, what what was your take from the story? Pretty much everything we already knew. Yeah, if you're great around here. kid, super uh, servant leader. I uh, couldn't ask for a better person to come into your organization. But is he ready? Oh. And. I think it's very fair to say that he is not. Yeah, yeah. My guess is that I, I will tell you my opinion is that he's not. Just what I've seen. But the guy did get my attention with some of the things he he wrote. Like some of his metrics were way better in week eleven than week seven. And I don't their metrics I don't know. You know, processing how long he held the ball, that kind of stuff. Then you uh, at least which is encouraging if you're Anthony. I, I I read stuff like that, but well, certainly his worst game was the second game. Yeah, correct. You know, right. and and for whatever you know, it's just hard to eliminate that, yeah. you know, from memory. 
Um, but it, it probably is a little unfair to Anthony that that's the game that tends to get thrown out the most when it was the second one out of however many ended up starting this past season. I guess it was 12. He didn't play in the bowl game. Um, he had a really bad completion percentage against Florida State, he though, did. too. And, but again, Caleb Douglas dropped like three, right? That right. you know would have been certainly would have improved that average, right. and uh, so some of that you know wasn't on him. But I, it's I it's not that I don't if if Anthony Richardson hid and again just to so, so everybody knows this is not a Gators perspective. If Anthony Richardson had transferred to Alabama or USC or where, wherever, I mean USC wouldn't happen because of, of Caleb, but wherever if he transferred to another school and had a big year, I'd be all in on Anthony Richardson in the NFL because the traits are unbelievable. My fear is he's not ready, and he's going to be drafted so high because we know how a lot of these clubs work. A lot of these clubs are are pretty dysfunctional, and they're going to panic if they start out in September slow while they've got a first-round pick on the bench, and they're going to panic, and they're going to put him in, and I don't think he's ready for it. So I – you know, it's it's not that I don't think Anthony Richardson can't get there. It's just that I really do think he would have benefited from one more year. Now, I get he's going to be a millionaire. Why, you know, why not? I mean, he's going to be a, a multi-millionaire with his NFL contract, so why not do that? I get it from a life standpoint. From a football standpoint, I think it was a mistake. And my, my hope is that that mistake won't cost him his career because he gets thrown in too early, gets judged harshly. And that kind of hurts his chances. And, and, we, and who knows what it's going to do to his confidence because we've already seen by his own admission that his confidence can be easily shaken. Yeah, I think because he's so bright, like we've talked about, I think a general manager is going to sit down with him and think, all right, we, he's, I'm going to be able to work with him. My coaching staff is going to be able to work with him. We're going to get him over that hump of, yes, he hasn't done a lot in college, but we are going to be able to get him to master the playbook and use that running ability. I think one GM is going to think that. Yeah, oh, that's right. That's right. One is going to think it, and they'll, and that's who's taking him. Right. The, um, and there's so much to like. The What sure. a good kid, servant leader, all, all the traits. At the end of the day, we say that the word I keep using is knack. Does he have the knack? to know when to this and when not to, and can you learn that knack? And that's the other question. So, But it was interesting. I want to get to Bucky's list. Bucky Brooks has a list that essentially says, your Super Bowl window is open because. And obviously, the big because is, is play caller and quarterback. Okay, But do you have the list pulled up, Lauren? Mm-hmm. The list is, well, go, go, go through it because it's interesting who's all the way down at seven to me. Are you surprised by that? There were a couple of surprises to okay, me. Okay. Uh, certainly no surprise at one and two, Kansas City Chiefs and Philadelphia Eagles. You have the list? Yeah. Okay. They're, they're one and two. Five AFC, three NFC. Yeah. But keep, keep, so, so I'm going to go – we'll go back to it. Go one through five, Lauren. Okay. Number three, the Cincinnati Bengals. Of right. course, they've been in a Super Bowl before, the San Francisco 49ers. Number four, which is interesting because of the quarterback situation. And number five, the Los Angeles Chargers. He's got the Chargers. I know this. He lives there, and he knows those guys. He's really close to those guys. Tell me, tell them who six and seven are in the order they're in. Six Dallas Cowboys, seven Buffalo Bills. Didn't the Bills feel low to you guys? I mean, they Chargers they have, high, Bills low. Yeah, the, the the Bills, the Chargers high doesn't surprise me as much as the Bills low. But now, I would have swapped them. Yeah, yeah. The, the uh, and Bucky's good now. Bucky really knows it. But I don't think he's alone in this assessment. I think 
I think the Bills have fallen from they're, – they're still one of the best eight teams in football, according to him, and I agree with that. But wasn't a blink of the eye ago that we were thinking they were going to win the Super Bowl? I mean, do you guys feel that way too? It just seems like you look up and the Bills are barely hanging on to a top eight in a power pole when it looked like they were one or two in the power pole up until the middle of November. Right. Yeah, they're they're too low on this list. Um, you know, and and I I, I don't even think it can be defended. Uh, that they, they should be much higher. The Chargers, you you don't even know if that owner is going to spend. I mean, they're talking about cutting key players because they're not going to restructure and hand out a bunch of signing bonus money to keep guys like. How do you let Keenan Allen walk away? The guy had like seventy five catches in the last ten games once he was you know back from his injury. I mean, in a million years, Keenan Allen is never getting at it. If he was a Jaguar, there's no way that would happen. And and I think that can be said for a lot of – I think the Chargers are the outlier. So, to me, the Chargers – Herbert's a good quarterback. I think their ownership really limits what they can do. Um so I, to me, it's it, that that, and they're the Chargers. They they've got to prove it. I mean, at some point, don't the L.A. Chargers have to prove something before they're just anointed every single year? Uh, it's it's, I think it's ridiculous. I mean, I, I think the Chargers have a lot of talent. They've never been able to put it together, and until they put it together, I, I just I don't know how anybody can have a lot of faith in them. The Bills have done it. Uh, you know, they're more seasoned. Yeah, they had a disappointing loss uh, in the playoffs to Cincinnati where they weren't overly competitive at home. But I do think you have to wonder all the, uh, you know, potential tragedy that they went through over the last month of the season, how that affected them. Um, they were 13-3. Uh, the Bills are going nowhere as long as Josh Allen is is healthy. And, and, and da- it turned out he wasn't, like we talked about. Yeah, and Dallas shouldn't be that the high. Dallas, I mean, Dallas, to me, is the team in here – now, I know they've won 12 games in the regular season two years in a row, and it's hard to win 12 games in the NFL. I get it. But that's the team I don't buy. Now, they're, now listen, when they came in here, the Jags found a way to beat them in overtime, but it was clear that was a talented, physical bunch. I mean, they, they're like the 49ers in that they're built in totality. They got big guys, strong guys, fast guys. In fact, the three, the three NFC teams aren't quarterback-centric, even though Jalen Hurts was wonderful this year. The three NFC teams, the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the 49ers, are way more about physicality, speed, t- total roster. The AFC teams are built around quarterback, right? I mean, so which means how the conferences are different. But, and that's how you win, by the way, is built around quarterback. But the whole peg of this to me is he listed eight teams and the Jags are one of them. And, and again, you could say, well, Frank, he's, he's a homer like you guys because he's on your broadcast. All right, maybe. But that's not how Bucky writes, and that's not how he thinks. Well, let me ask you this. Who would be ninth? Well, I, I because give me. I mean, I will say this: there aren't sixteen teams that can win the Lombardi Trophy. No, I mean, no. for a league that's got parity, who should be on this eight that is not? Well, well I, I don't well, think you can find a team. Well, I certainly agree with you. So the, the the discussion would be: do you maybe not go eight deep if you don't believe in the Jaguars? Do you say there's six teams that have a realistic Super Bowl window? And the only other team that I think could could be worth the conversation is, assuming they sign Lamar Jackson, is the Ravens. The Ravens are the one team that I think people are missing now. And part of it is because they don't know what's going to happen with Lamar. I get it. And because he's been hurt. But the one team out there that I think, I think might be special if they get healthy is, is the Ravens. I think, I think 
there's something special with Lamar Jackson. Now he's got to stay healthy. If you keep getting hurt, you're not special. But that that's the one team. But my point wasn't even – I don't think there's anybody that should be ahead of the Jaguars. My point is it's really cool that they're right there. I, I think we're going to see – I know we've been saying that a lot in the offseason. But, I mean, they're, they're, they're one year removed from having the first overall pick. And before that, they were one year removed from having the first overall pick. And now they are – I mean, just, just digest that for a second. And I, we could be saying this about anybody else. It just happens to be the team that plays here. They had back-to-back first-round picks, and then you blink your eye, and they are roundly considered one of the power teams in the National Football League. That's freaking cool. It is. That, that, that's kind of the point. That, that's well, the whoever gets Caleb point. Williams will probably have the same thing Well, happen. and you know what? And, and, maybe, and maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe generational quarterback and play caller, and you're there. But maybe, maybe that is what it is. You're right. I hear you. But I just think. It's also hitting on free agents that – well, we talked about that and, last week. And then week. hitting on the draft There's because a, you're not going to be able to do that. I mean, they time. hit on free agents. They got the quarterback. They got a wonderful coach. You, not every, not many teams have all of those things, and the ones that do are pretty much on this list. But I just, uh, I mean, I'm just when I read that list, I thought, gosh, we're right, we're 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 there. You know, sometimes, and not just Jacksonville people, you get so caught up in your team, in the team you know, that you look at it with with a tighter lens. So you see the flaws more than other, people's do, other people do, but you see the possibilities more than other people do. And so even all of us, our fans, our media, people in the building, when we, see the, when we talk about Jags, we see the possibilities. But it's cool when people around the, around the league and around the country are seeing those same uh, possibilities too. I guess that's what I'm taking with, uh, with all this. Sure. When I first clicked on the article on NFL.com, I was like, all right, I, it is Bucky Brooks, so he knows certainly the Jaguars well, but that also can help because if he knows the Jaguars well, like you said, he also knows the flaws. Right. So immediately I scrolled down and figured they might be somewhere five through eight, and I thought, honestly, having them eight is low, and that's a, a great thing, Hayes, because now we're looking at a Super Bowl window list going, I think my team should be higher. Well, and that's the thing. Like, if, if the list is who can win the Super Bowl, here's your either-or. Would you rather have the Jaguars to win the Super Bowl? Who would you pick? The Jaguars to win the Super Bowl next year or the Ravens? And I would agree. The Ravens are probably the top contender that was left out. I'd pick the Jaguars. I would too. I would too. Uh, but the Jaguars or the Dolphins? The Jaguars. The Jaguars or the Steelers? The Jaguars. The Jaguars or the Patriots? The Jaguars. The Jaguars or the Jets or the Titans well, or the Browns or the Raiders you, or the Broncos or the Colts? Get behind, once you get beyond the Ravens – then it come, becomes easy. And then in the NFC, I think you can do the same thing. Yeah. Jaguars or Vikings? Yeah. To win the Super Bowl next year. Gun to your head, who would you take? Ja- easy. You'd take the Jaguars. That was easy. Uh, and Tampa Bay is going to be a easy. shell of itself. Yeah. Uh, the you, Giants. You're going to have trouble. The even Seahawks. Find, you're going to have even tr- – well, the Seahawks. But you're gonna, other than the Seahawks, you're going to have t- trouble even finding people in the NFC to put in this conversation. I, I That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. Is yeah. I, I think there's – without a doubt, they're in the top eight. And I yeah. do think you can make a case that they should be above – Dallas and they should be above the Chargers. I would have trouble putting them over the Bills. Uh, you know, but I, I think you could certainly make the argument because they're not going to lose anybody. I mean, of significance, it doesn't appear they might lose like one player, but for the most part, if you know, if if let's just say it, they bring back Ingram and Key and lose Taylor. If Jawan Taylor is the biggest loss you had in an off season. Yeah, pretty good offseason. Yeah, good point. Good point. It's also, by the way, interesting to me, the Bengals at third. A year ago, everyone said the Bengals kind of got lucky when they made it to the Super Bowl. They're not going to repeat, and they're certainly not going to be on top of the AFC. And yet, they were certainly very close, albeit some uh, 
curious decisions by the officials away from winning the AFC Championship. We'll take a break. When we come back, I want to keep it on the Jaguars. How are some of these guys remembered? Like, uh, Calais Campbell wasn't here very long, but he's one of the most fond, most fondly remembered Jaguars. Now, his team, his time gets away from his era here. That'll fade because of the lack of time he was here. But in the here and now, who doesn't love Calais? Well, and when he is back here this season. I was going to say, who wants to come back? Fantastic. That would he, be fantastic. When Trevor gets to Lombardi first and <laughs> passes it to Calais. <laughs> we'll take a break. Uh, Jags and their players are, are the topic after this. Stay with us. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. Welcome back to The Frangie Show on this President's Day. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carline, Andrew Gibson. I'm Lauren Brooks. By the way, is today hat day for Andrew Gibson? Oh, hat day. Is it in my office? Did it go back I to my office? I almost forgot. It's, it's back in your office. Yes, Gibby. Wow. We have to take a picture. I totally forgot. I did too. And you know what? The, the, <laughs> the, the diabolical the, one of us the, did the, not. Well, the veteran hat wearer did not. Also the one true. who did not lose did that's, not forget. That's that right. So, so, Gibby, we'll do that later on the show. Like, yes, it is. I, I had forgotten, but yes, it is hat day. All so right. There you go. Jaguars and how they'll be remembered. Frank, I'll start with Josh Allen. How will yeah. Josh Allen be remembered? Well, well I think fondly. Let me, let me let me twist it a little bit, and I'll give you that answer in a minute. But I've got guys who could make the wall. Okay. Okay. Guys who could not guys who I think are going to make the wall. Okay. I don't think Josh Allen's in that category. He's then. not. He's not going to be on my list. But yeah. guys, got. I've got three, not counting Trevor. I got three guys that I think could be on the wall. Now, not on this current necessarily team. No, three guys on the team. On this team, three yeah. guys okay. on the team. Now, it's a long shot that anybody makes the wall. Okay, that means you're one of the greatest players in franchise history. I'm not. Don't don't turn this into Frangie thinks player X is going to the wall. And we have oh. how many people up there now? Baselli. As far as players, right? Baselli, Brunel, Fred, Fred Taylor, Jimmy, Jimmy Smith. That's it, right? That's it. There okay. So there's four players. Okay. So players who could one day be on the wall. Okay. Now every team, you could go to the Steelers, you go to the Bengals. And you could pick three, three, three or four players that are 22 and one day could do it. You know, so it's not like the Jaguars. And most don't, by the way. Right, because well, we just said four in 28 years. Correct. But players who could conceivably be remembered that fondly. Okay. I, Trevor's the obvious one, right? Mm-hmm. There's three other guys on the team that I think, for various reasons, could, could wind up on the wall. You want to take a guess who those three are? That I, and by the way, I don't necessarily think any of them are going to. If you're being, if I'm being honest, if I'm being honest, I think maybe Trevor, but that that's no fun. So for the sake of the conversation, three players that I think could possibly way down the road be on the wall. Oof, that's a uh, that's a tough three. Because um, none of these guys have made a Pro Bowl. Right, that well, keep I going. I don't think um, there's not a whole lot of Pro Bowls on the team. Tyson Campbell. <laughs> Uh, is he one of them? He's not. I'm out. I will guess Trayvon Walker. Not on my list. Okay. Now, now both could be turned out to be great players. I got three guys: Christian Kirk. Okay, that's his next. Because he's guess. young enough; he's 25. He could become the leading receiver in team history. Okay, if you're the receiver, I mean, could he? Well, if he plays 10 years, I mean, if he plays 10. He just had a thousand yard season. Can we afford him for 10 more years? No, but I mean, I mean I'm just, he just had 1,000 yards. That's actually, I think, one of the hardest team records to break. Yeah, well, what, what, are, what are the what's the career yardage for Jimmy or Keenan? I'll is have it to Jimmy? pull it up. Is it Jimmy? It's Jimmy, yeah. Okay. Give me one second, and I'll okay. pull it up. Talk yeah. amongst yourselves. Okay. <laughs> All right, so but while you do. I was going to guess Christian Kirk. Okay. Uh, Jimmy Smith has 
12,287 yards. Okay, so so it would take it would take 10 more years, but but I mean and I believe me, I don't think any of these guys are going to the wall, okay? But he's first. Okay. Okay. What's the career rushing record? Jaguar career rushing record. What's Fred's? Uh 11,271. Okay. How old's Travis Etienne? He's not doing it. But how old is uh, 22, 23. Okay. What if he has seven years of 1,100 yards? He's still not there, but you get the point. Okay. Mm-hmm. Those two. Okay. So he would have, certainly he would have to eclipse Maurice Jones Drew because Mojo's not right. on the wall. Yeah. Should Mojo be? Mojo on the wall? should be, and, and it, I think will be. I think he will too. Okay. I think, um, I think Mojo will get to the wall. So I would say. So, so can Travis Etienne in seven or eight years be what Mojo was? That's my question. That I think is more re- realistic. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think he could do that. Yeah, I, I think, I think so. To me, who's the third one? Anybody? Anybody? Offense Bueller? or defense? Bueller? I can't tell you or that. Logan, I can't get it. Logan Cook. I can't give you that. <laughs> the punter. I, don't, I don't think punters are going on walls. No. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No um, punters aren't going on walls. And I, I think for and I think Tyson Campbell's really good. It's hard for a cover corner to get to a wall. My three. Hard, I mean, I, I again, I, I'm. And again, it's hard because and, and I'm going to probably disagree with it, yeah. so I'm trying to. Well, we'll, we'll keep in mind. Aluacon? Aluacon. Okay. And by the way, I don't think any of these guys are going to the wall, okay? For, for the sake of the conversation, he's led the league in tackles two years in a row. What if he leads the league in tackles eight years in a row? Okay, what if, what if he's Patrick Willis, who just tackles everybody, you know, just shows up and starts tackling people? Again, there's not a lot of people on the wall. you got to get some people on your wall at some point, you know? So I'm thinking, and, and more than just the wall – remembered fondly I think to be remembered fondly you need tenure you need to be here for a while okay. or be Kim a Robinson megastar. has been here for a while Kim Robinson could qualify now again he has Bas- no chance but Baselli so it's hard for and Baselli was the one of the best tackles in the history of the sport it's hard for an offensive tackle to get to the wall it's hard for a cornerback to get there unless he unless he starts having eight interceptions a year right it's hard to get there what about uh Evan Ingram Evan Ingram. He already had the best season yeah. as a Jaguar. That's the only downside. Yeah, it's hard for, is 27. It's hard for tight ends right. to make walls. Okay, but we've never had a really great tight end. And we are, and we are in, an, and we are in a tight end era. You know, so well, Mercedes again, was good. Some but. of it could be even the moment. Like, right. what if? That's true. What if Evan Ingram catches the Jaguars' version of the catch? Yeah, that's right. In the Super Bowl or and something, and has numbers and, to go with it. Yeah, I mean, again, but, a lot uh, of this is going to be. How much does Trevor Lawrence win? If yeah. Trevor Lawrence wins Super Bowls, there's going to be some ancillary players but, that right, like, get up on but, the but wall. But the, but guy, the guys that I think could have incredible statistical – I'm doing all this based on stats. And you're right. Super Bowl championships and dramatic moments matter too. I'm going, which three guys – take Trevor off the list. Which three guys on this football team can you look up and, and in eight years they have stupid stats? I don't think there's a pass rusher that I can think that about now. Pass rushing is a great stat, by the way. That that pass rushing. Trayvon can get there. Well, maybe, but I don't know that I sit here feel myself feeling as I look. I don't know that I sense that. I sense that Travis Etienne might get to ten thousand yards rushing or eight thousand yards rushing as a Jaguar. I, I sense. I sense that Christian Kirk. I think Christian is going to be here for a long time. I don't think there's going to be much drop off in how he plays. He's not a burner, so losing losing a step or two isn't going to. I think Christian Kirk's. I think Christian Kirk might get to the wall. Okay, I I, I think he might be the uh, the third most memorable receiver or one of the two most memorable receivers in Jaguars history. The only thing about Christian Kirk is, and I like 
that idea, certainly that he's going to stay here a long time because we yeah. think Trevor will stay here a long time, right. obviously. But you are adding Calvin Ridley. And so if all of a sudden yeah, right. he's kind of take away some of Christian Kirk's production, then Kirk yeah. becomes more of an average or good, better yeah. than average. And keep in mind, receiver. I've been, I was a Kirk guy before he was even here. Right. So I'm probably biased on it a little bit. But the guys that I think we can look up in 2029 and go, wow, look at his numbers, other than Trevor, who's the obvious guy, I think could be Etienne, Kirk, and Alucard. Th- those are the three guys. Now, maybe maybe Tyson Campbell picks off a lot of passes, but I'm, I'm not there yet. There's no pass rusher here, Josh Allen or Trayvon, that I look up and think, wow, the amount of sacks he's going to have. Do you, I mean, you disagree with any of that? I mean, there's nobody. The three guys that I think may have crazy stats in seven years are Etienne, Kirk, and Alucard. And I'll, I think Tyson Campbell certainly goes into that category. But one guy who could end up with some crazy stats is Andre Cisco, just based off of if he's able to he get does a find the interceptions. Ball. Right. And so that could be someone that you're right that ends up in this conversation. You know what? You're he's one. He's, a, he's, sli- he's a sleeper stats guy. I'll give you if we were betting this, okay. um, because I'm assuming the odds would be a little longer on this player. But this is the player. And I'd they're long on all of them. But yeah, longer. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would put my money on Luke Fortner, uh, who would have to get better. Uh, but if he is he could have tenure. Trevor Lawrence's center for 12 years, yeah. 100%. and Trevor loves the guy and is lobbying for the guy, it's a great call. Luke Fortner could absolutely be yeah. because there, a guy that There is it. a magic to centers. The centers that are around a long time, people – I mean, Jeff Saturday just got a damn job, you know. There's something about the center that was around a long time. People really, love Brad Meester here. Yeah, they, they, well, they, but they – everywhere. The, the, cent, the long-time center – and centers don't change teams a lot. Centers – you see a lot of eight years is the Broncos center. Tom Nalen was the Broncos center for forever. Tom Rowan. Ro, no, Tom Nalen, right? Yeah, Nalen. It was the Broncos center forever, right? I mean, those guys, those guys stay around for a long time. The, uh, uh, I could see that. I could see that for that for the reason you just said it. So – because he's good, you know, he's 25, but he could be here until he's 33, you know. So, but those are the guys. Those to me, the guys. Back to back to your question when you started the segment. How is Josh Allen remembered? Josh needs to have that 12 sack season. If he and how long he's going to be here? And I don't know how long he's going to be here. How long is Josh Allen? How long is Josh Allen going to be a Jaguar? I mean, honestly, it could be as little as two months. It could, could yeah. I, mean, I, 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 I doubt would, he's cut I this would, year. Well, I don't mean cut, but yeah. it, could he be, yeah. you know, moved, you know, if, yeah. if they do get the right offer? Um, two months it, would surprise me, but 10 wouldn't. Yeah. The, what's interesting is, and I love the guy. I'm yeah. I mean, and, and I thought he played well in the last, you know, month and a half of the season, but again, you're reaching that financial crossroads with Josh Allen, where he's going to be playing on his fifth year option. I, does the club want to give him the big second contract? Seems like there's been some reluctance to do that. And, uh, you know, at, at this point, I, I don't think they'll do it because I think they view themselves as they should as a contender, and a contender shouldn't trade. Their, even if it's a marginal pass rusher, if he's your best, you shouldn't trade him. Uh, so... I think he's here, but I, I don't think it can be completely discounted uh, if they got an offer that they just felt like they yeah. can't turn down. Yeah, the question for me with Josh is, after this year, is he on the football team? That that would be the question for me. But I And that's what this season yeah. will obviously predict. It, now, here's the thing with Josh Allen. 
if he has the twelve sack year and they find a way to keep him and he starts having those, oh, he's a perfect guy for the prize. Great guy, well respected, says the right stuff, plays hard, practices hard, respected by everybody in the building, out of the building. He's a uh, he's the defensive end. If he ever becomes good enough player, he's Calais. He's he's the outside linebacker version of Calais. How's Calais remembered? He's never going. He's not going on the pride. Yeah, wasn't here long enough for the pride. I don't think so. Um, but uh, but remembered very fondly, and he's said that he wants to play next season. It'd be interesting to see if that's uh, in Baltimore. Um, but if if Baltimore wanted to part ways with Calais, I would love to see him back here in Jacksonville. Uh, and I think it would be magnificent. And uh, so you know, I I think that he'll always be beloved here. Uh. I would agree it feels it would feel pretty short to to give him that sort of immortal treatment of putting yeah. him in the pride of the Jaguars for basically two good years. Yeah, and, and so I, that would surprise if me. If the Jaguars had won the Super Bowl that season, I think then the conversation agreed, is different. Agreed, agreed. And there's nobody else on that team that has has a magic to them. It was a magical season. Besides Blake. It was a, <laughs> but there's nobody on that team that has – Magic attached to them. There's, Not yeah, here, right? So, so I, so yeah, so uh, so we'll see. But I, but I, the three guys for me that I'll be in, barring health concerns, that the three guys that I don't think they're going to walk away from are Luakon, Travis Etienne, and Kirk. Young, talented, stats, uh, the, the stat collectors, you know. And I think they're all going to be. I think I think Christian Kirk, even with Ridley here, if he's healthy. I think we this the tip of the iceberg on the balls he's going to catch. He he he. I think he's got. I mean, just this is. Remember, this was just their first year together. I think the fact that Trayvon Walker is not in our conversation yeah. is not necessarily a great sign, but certainly he could be in the conversation when we do this conversation in a year. I think Trayvon Walker could be a very good player for the Jaguars. I have not. I have not changed my thought on him that I'm glad he's here. That's never happened for me. But I said this when they drafted him. I I, I promise you. I said. The, the day after the draft, the Friday after the draft, I think I did. If not, I said it the next week. I think Aiden Hutchinson's going to have more sacks than him year one and for his career. Didn't we all kind of – I know I said it. Didn't Definitely we all year said, one. Yeah. I said as far as having sacks, collecting sacks, you can be a really good player and not collect a lot of sacks. And, and, I, and Lauren, I just feel like you got to kind of collect numbers to get on a wall. You know, you got to collect – I mean, now, again, Mark Brunel is the first quarterback ever here and led him to – Two championship games. Tony Baselli is one of the greatest players in the history of the sport. Fred has numbers. Jimmy has numbers. You know, so so two of the four have big numbers, and that's why they're there. And two, the other two are two of the biggest icons this franchise will ever know. But I think for the most part, you need the numbers. You need. So we'll see what winds up happening. Interesting stuff. A lot of fun. Let's uh, let's get into college football. Um, Ross Dellinger wrote a story about changes the college football uh, powers that be are considering to speed up the game. We'll give you our thoughts on that. After this, glad you're with us. We continue along here. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carlion, Lauren Brooks, Andrew Gibson, Ross Dellinger of the Athletic wrote a story that there's four proposals under consideration to slow down or to speed up college football. Slow down to make it not last as long. Here are the four that are on on the table. Number one, prohibiting consecutive timeouts. I seen the kicker. I'm all for that. I think I think I think the kicker's dumb anyway. He's a dumb usage of time. But how often does that really affect <clears throat> Not very the length often. of the game? You don't see it happen back to back very often. 
but, I, but I'm at least I'm okay with it. No untimed down at the end of the half, at the end of the first or third quarter. I'm totally okay with that. I don't. I, I'm. I didn't. I'm not even sure how that is. You know. No untimed down. So if there's a defensive penalty in college football, yeah. on the last play of the first quarter, right? They run that's an untimed, untimed down. down. Well, that's yeah. football. Yeah. yeah. But, but I'm okay yeah. to get rid of that. I don't care about the untimed down. I mean, again, though, to Lauren's point. Yeah. How I, often? I mean. I'm glad that they've picked something that <laughs> yeah. happens, you know, yeah. every seventh right. game I right. watch. Right. Uh, number three, the clock continues to run after first downs, except in the last two minutes of the half. You like that one? I like that one. That's what the NFL does. Yep. And the NFL never stops it. The college would still stop it in the last two minutes. Yeah. So, but you get the two-minute warning. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it, it would be uh, to me, it would it would certainly help. Uh, help speed up the game. You want that? Yes, that would drastically increase the speed of the yeah, game. Yeah, they said probably about, about 15 minutes. Yeah, because you know what happens a lot in every game? First downs. Yeah. Are yeah. You, are you, ten, do, yes. you want I'm that? pro that. Okay. Tends to be about 45 to 50 of those, sometimes more <laughs> yeah, in a okay. game. Right, I'm, <laughs> Not I'm, for the Gators. I'm, I'm opposed. Yeah. I'm, yeah, Back like in the day. <laughs> I, I always remember that was one of my favorite. That's, an, to me, an underrated Spurrierism is like he used to always have this special glow if Florida had more than 30 first downs in a game. He did. Like, that he was did. always, yeah. like, a magic number right. for him. I don't like that rule, but I'm probably in the minority. Uh, Why don't you like it? Because That's I, what the NFL does. Yeah, no, I know. But I, th- I think getting a first down and the clock stopping, particularly in a moment, uh, and, and maybe do it like this in the last two minutes. Yeah. Because I think that's part of the game. I, I think so. and, and I could live with it as long as they still do it at the end of the game because I think that's part of the game. I think it's, it's part – to me – that's part of the culture of college football. But listen, Baloo and I had Baloo and I were doing the show together when the NFL went to um, thirty-three yard extra points, and then they put the ball on the fifteen instead of on the two. And Baloo said, "I don't like it." I said, "Rick, there's there's no reason not to like it. It's so automatic now. He said, I don't like it. Why? Okay, I just don't like it." And he finally said, "I because I don't like change." So I'm probably doing the same thing with the first downs. There's no logical reason to not like it. Other than I don't, I just think college football, the clock stopping on a first down is part of it. So I could be swayed there, but uh, long as long as you're still stopping it in the last two minutes, I could probably live with that. Here's the dumb one: clock runs on an incomplete pass. Well, that's not football. It's moronic. Yeah, yeah, and, and this says at least after the ball is spotted. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't agree with that. That makes no sense. And that's why that one's controversial. Yeah. So here's my guess. My guess is all of these are going to pass except that one. Which means I think the first down thing is going to pass. It means the game speeds up. The one you want, Hayes, your point is right. College football, half times are too long. But isn't the band playing part of it? Isn't I, that part of a college football game? I love the band. Yeah. And I was thinking about this. Yeah. And again, I, I was fortunate enough to see a pretty good amount of college football games live last year. You can easily do it. There is still tons of downtime. In terms of getting the band on the field, yeah. having them perform okay. their songs, and getting them off the field, you still sit there and you're like, why are the teams still in what, the locker room? What like, the, what are we doing What here? if the opposing band's there, too? Well, I don't, they do don't they play do that? Not very, well, not very, didn't they used to? Has that never been the case? I don't, I don't think, think so. Do I think and I, I believe the band is already on the field because they, they leave are. Right, they are. Uh, somewhere around the second quarter, mid-second quarter. So they're already on the field. So okay. certainly, I think I don't want to lose the band. But I, I don't d- think you'd lose the band. But I, but I, I do agree. Half time, college half times are long, and, and I don't think you have to make it the NFL twelve minutes. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's great, but yeah. that is so fast. I, I can tell you this, but as an NFL play by play guy, <laughs> and we come back two and a half minutes three before kick, 
let me tell you what happens. Uh, you go to break, you throw it to the studio, you race, you pee, you go back, and, you, and you're you're back. Yeah. That, that's I promise you, that's what it is. And as a college play by play guy, all those years, um, we'd go. You you throw to break. I would drive home, take a nap, right? Go for a swim, yeah. Go hit some balls, come back, and then you have the second half. And it's, I'll be still be doing the scoreboard. That's right, yeah, right. I mean, for it's, touchdown radio. It, it, so <laughs> exactly. that that's my thing. I think you could cut five minutes off of the college halftime. It would still be longer than the NFL. You would absolutely have enough time for the band to play. Um, right. I, I just I don't know why in this day and age we need well, a twenty to twenty five minute right. halftime. Yeah, and, and and I don't know if that's a safety thing or not. But let me throw this out. Let me throw this out at you. Gibby, not so much. Gibby's, Gibby's admitted that college he likes college football, but it's not as it's not as jam. It's all of ours. Do we have to shorten the game? I, well, that's a whole other argument. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, it, it is. Yeah, it, I, I don't care if they I, leave it. Look, long if it's three football, hours and yeah, 45 minutes, a fine. Long, a long college football game doesn't bother me. They they go, I mean, the game starts at, it's a 342 kick on CBS. and That one's five hours. Yeah, it, it, it does. CB, they are longer on CBS, I, I agree. it feels like, than on I, any other channel. I, I agree with you. I agree. The time or the commercial breaks seem longer on yeah. CBS. I, I, I'm with, it, it does feel that way. I, I agree. But So the game starts at 340. And instead of ending at 6.40, you want it to end at 6.50. So it goes to 7.15, 7.20. My life isn't ruined with that. But it's more time not... I'm watching the football game. I, but, and, but, and I, everybody wants to see it change. It doesn't bother me. See, I don't think they're changing it for the fans. I think they're changing it because the longer the game goes, the less money they're going to make because they can put another game on television yeah. and then make even more money. You think that's it? Yeah, it's it's for TV in terms of shortening it. They they want a predictable window. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what they want. In college football, it 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 is just you just have no idea. Is it going to be three hours? Is it going to be three hours and forty five minutes? I mean, it just it it varies so wildly. And I think what the TV executives like about the NFL is your range there is going to be two hours and 58 minutes to three hours and six minutes. Right. Assuming it's a game that doesn't go to overtime. And and that's the same range that I'm giving for a regulation game in college football. So I, it's, it's for TV purposes. Um, but, uh, but I, I have, I don't care. I, the only thing I would, I would like halftime to be shorter. It just feels like yeah, I hear you. And, there, there's and, and, there's no walk of life where whether I'm at a party or attending a game where I'm like, boy, I wish this halftime had five more minutes. Yeah, left. the halftimes. I I mean, it's it's silly for me to see, say the halftimes aren't long because they're they're very long, and I and I know that. And they're I just, about a half an hour. Yeah, they say twenty minutes, but they are longer. If you, they're not twenty minutes from literally the last play of the half to no, kick off. They're not. Because the ref yeah. starts it and doesn't start it until right. both teams have left the field. Right, right. So, I mean, again, you're talking about the coach has to do his, right, right. you know, interviews and all the – I mean, so it's it's a good 25 minutes. Yeah, it is. And but, it's just – that's just – to me, that's just ridiculous. Well, and the replays makes it feel slower. That wasn't a part of the game yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. Well, that's – and and there's more. So, the, this did you read the story about the whole Dellinger story? Mm-hmm. I just gave – the whole Dell. did you read it? Mm-hmm. It talked about it said there's a number of reasons. Number one, replays aren't a challenge system, so they're going to stop the game far more often. And apparently, the they showed there's a there's a big there's a four or five maybe an eight minute difference because of that. The other thing they said is the game's not as efficient. The NFL has far fewer incomplete passes, and incomplete passes stop the clock. And so the so just because the college game has more challenges, the passing games aren't as efficient. 
the long halftime, they're all things. And there's more passing in general than there is running. College football used to be a ton more running the football, and so that speeds the game up too. So that's not in comparison to the NFL. That's comparison to years gone by in college football. I agree agree with you. I think the one thing that they will change that will make a difference is the first downs. That's the one thing that I think will be significant. If you make a first down – now, right now, the clock starts back up when it's ready for play. But it, but, but, so it's not stopped very long, but it stopped a lot of times. That's, that's the thing. Correct. Would you go to a challenge system in college football when it comes to replays? I would not. I, I think the NFL is getting that wrong. I would have a, the sky judge stop it the minute it happens again. I, I think we take longer than it needs to take anyway. I've always said a recliner, a pizza, and a beer, and I can tell you pretty quick on my TV. If I can tell you pretty quick, they ought to be able to tell you too. And I can also tell the ones that are close enough that I – but I, I would look at it differently. I would treat replay a little differently. I'd, I want You always want to get it right. But I think if it takes that microscopic, unbelievably tight camera angle that wasn't possible even two years ago, and you barely could I – wouldn't, I wouldn't overturn it that way. Even if, it, even if I – would you? Yeah, I, I would say that it needs to be, you know, clear and obvious beyond a reasonable doubt that – uh, that the call is wrong. It should be something that you, in the first two or three showings of it from each angle, if it's not, oh, yeah, that's definitely wrong, then you should keep the call in the field. Yeah, so I think they should. Take a break. The, I, just real quick, the, the thing about the uh, challenges that I would say in terms of the college game, the college officiating, they, I think, miss more. So – I like the fact Good there's point. no challenges because we've seen games where officials have literally in college football yeah. missed five or six gigantic calls in a single game. So I uh, I think it's better to keep it. Yeah, uh, very, it's a very good point. Let, so let's let's fix those rather than let, put it on the coach to fix them because there's so many of them. That's a good point. Take a break. Let's talk some college hoops after this. Stay with us. Frank Franzi Hayes, Carlisle, Lauren Brooks, and Andrew Gibson with you as we uh, continue along. The uh, Florida basketball team got blasted. Should this worry me? And again, the guy just got there. And I'm not going to, and in fairness to him, he just got there. But should this worry me? In seven years, Mike White lost twice by 20 points. Did you know that? I did not. This dude's lost three times by 20 points. And they never lost by more than 21. Should that worry me? Is it too uh, early to worry? Did, I mean... Did Mike White lose a star player like Colin Castleton? Yes, but did uh, he have numerous times? Correct. Yes, but did he have more surrounding that person? Well, but he's the one yeah. that recruited him. Yeah, but I, I don't think Mike White recruited super well, so I don't think Todd Golden was stepping into a very good situation. Should I be worried about that? I too think early? it's fair to be worried. I mean, uh, I, I still. No, I mean, he just got there. I'm not yeah. apoplectic. I just. Yeah, and and obviously he's going to get. Two more years before final verdicts as, can as he be reached. Should. I, I hate yeah. firing coaches. But, yeah, I think it's a little worrisome that there's been some games where they just, again, they've shown good fight for the most part, but I think if you're a good team, you shouldn't get routed all that often, and, they're, and they seem to get routed more regularly than what we're used to. So... I mean, yeah. I mean, again, I, mean I, I, I understand why this one happened. Yeah, I do. You know, too. I, 
Did y'all watch the first half? Yeah, it was it was competitive. That's okay. I, that, I, I was at the, I did not. I mean, I was Florida the, led for the majority of the first yeah, half. Yeah, I had I had my phone and I was kind of half watching. Right, you were a baseball. But, so, but I had my phone in the press box. I was kind of half watching. I gave them such credit for battling as hard as they did. Yeah, and with again, the players that they had. And again, Todd Golden deserves time to figure it out. Yeah, he was the coach at San Francisco. He lived. He's a, he he deserves get your guys in there. I'm, I don't want to run off the coach. Don't don't you know I'm I'm anti that. Right. But I just – but the reality is, and I'm not trying to say let's go hire Mike Whiteback. What I'm saying is in his seven seasons as the Florida basketball coach, they lost twice by 21 points, once to FSU, once to Kentucky, both on the road. And they ne- and they were pretty much in every other game in his seven years. Yeah. Now, that, that's the reality. It, now, is, a, it is a reality. Now, now maybe maybe they were never getting to the – the people that didn't want him there thought he would never, never get to the next point, and I, next, the next step. And I get that. I just – and they've been hammered a few times this year. The thing that, that I can't get past is now that the season is over um, is when they put up Todd Golden's resume and you're like, this guy got the Florida job? Yeah. Like it's yeah. still kind of – I mean, if it doesn't work, it was a right. massive, right, massive swing and miss right, because right. his resume is – Light now yeah. he comes across really well, you know certainly, and and he could end up being fantastic. Absolutely, but, absolutely, he could. I but, totally agree. With yeah, you. but but I will say like when it's not going well and they put up Todd Golden's resume, right? It really is like, wow, how did this happen? Yeah, and and again, I'm sure many of us in in those first two Billy Donovan years, when his resume was about the same, he had been the head coach at Marshall for two years. Then I'm sure when he had some struggles his first year, we're thinking, what are we doing? But this again, guy was 29. I see, in my opinion, this is where we differ a little bit. In my opinion, the Florida job got much better oh, from did. when Billy got hired to when Todd Golden got well, hired. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my take on that. It's yes. Because of Billy. Yes. But the, the job he inherited when he inherited it was a way better job than the one that Billy inherited. Not that Lon Kruger didn't do a good job, but Lon Kruger didn't have Devin Robinson waiting on him and. And um, uh, I forget the the point guard, just Casey Hill and Chris Walker. You're talking about like Kayvon Allen, guys like that. No, 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 or, no, no. Kayvon Allen, I think was 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 committed. Devin Robinson, a six nine guy, that was really good on the on the Elite Eight team, the six nine. He was on it. They had a handful of guys. Igbonu was coming. They um they had Casey. I just say Casey was the fast point guard. Casey Hill. Yeah, they they there was some there was some talent there. And Kayvon Allen had committed, and then then Mike White got him to stay. No, I agree with that. My point is, big picture, it's not a destination job, no matter who what coach has been there. But back to your point, yeah, Mike White inherited a better situation than Billy Donovan did. Did Mike White inherit a better situation than Todd Golden did? Probably, because now we're in the portal era, Yeah. so nobody stays. My, my point is, like, yes, Billy Donovan had a light resume when he was hired 20-something years ago. But Florida was a graveyard job. I don't think Florida's a graveyard Fair job point. now. And Scott yeah. Strickland decided to turn the program over yeah. to somebody who has a very, very, I would say, light resume. Yeah, yeah. Now, Bill, it, it, Billy and, Don- and it may work out great. Now, but Billy, if it doesn't work out, then I think it's like, yeah. wow, that was – Yeah. Now, Billy there Donovan, wasn't a lot of meat on, on, on the resume. Yeah, now Billy Donovan took a job that two years earlier had been in the Final Four. But but your point's still fair. I mean it, that was that was a one off. I, I I don't disagree that it was it was a one off. Do you think in the coaching circles what Mike White went through and the fact that he chose to leave of his own volition to go to Georgia? Do you think that that circulated and some people thought I'm not taking that job? Well, I think 
number one, yes, there's merit to that. The, the belief is they ran off a pretty good coach. Yes, there's merit to that. But we'll, we won't know because I think Scott Strickland acted very swiftly. Yeah, he hired he, Golden like within 48 hours. Yeah, to his credit, I mean, he, knew, was, he, knew, he knew what he wanted. He knew who he wanted, and he targeted him. And he, he was very convinced he had his guy. Now, well, and again, might turn out to be a great it, hire. He might, yeah, yeah it might turn out but, to be a wonderful hire. So, so to your question, which is a very good one, Lauren, I don't know that it, it was out there long enough for that to affect. But yes, yes, when the, the and listen, as much as people hate for me to say this, I'm going to say it again and again and again and again and again. I know Rick Barnes turned out to be really good. I know Nate Oates is really good. Bruce Pearl has been really good at two schools. But I promise you, if you go to that damn basketball convention in Indianapolis, wherever they have it, and all those guys are walking in there in their warm-up suits and tennis shoes, because it's a warm-up shoot and tennis shoe convention, I promise you that. They're not saying, I want to get to the SEC. They're saying, I'll take an SEC job, but it's a football school, and we're never going to have the resources and the excitement and, and juice that a basketball school is going to have. No one's going to say it publicly, but you get in one of those meetings. Other than Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, other than Kentucky. I mean, you're, you're, never, gonna, you're, never, ta- you're never taking Auburn over Syracuse. You're never taking Tennessee over Villanova. Even St. John's, even though it's not, there's not much to it anymore, you're, not, you're never taking those jobs over, over Missouri. And you say, Missouri, I'm telling you, and even though Missouri is You wouldn't SEC take school, Old Miss over Temple. Yeah, never. You would never take the Old Miss job over the Temple. Now, money's changed it a little bit. If the Old Miss job guy's going to make six and the Temple guy's making two, yeah. but, uh, but, uh, but the job's not better. And, and I've said that a thousand times to people. It's not better. And so, but we'll see. I, uh, the other thing is, so I, watched, I went back and watched the tape of the game because I wanted to see the new guy. Shimchik. Obviously, he was overmatched. He was not. He's kind of clumsy. He made some mistakes with the ball. He's not going to help you much defensively. He's not very athletic. He's the most one of the most non-athletic guys you'll see. And Arkansas has some real talent right. on their team, even though they're not doing as well as predicted. But the dude drilled two threes. And on any other team, I would say, well, I understand why he had been playing because there's way more to it than drilling threes. But on this team, why wasn't he playing some? On a team that can't throw it in the ocean, didn't it had to run through your mind? And, and, and he did it at the end of the game when it was mop up time. I know that, but he showed he can do it. But he showed he can do it on a team that can't do it, uh, on a team that can't shoot. And the reason he got a scholarship, the reason he was kind of recruited, not just by Florida, is because he's a stretch four. And again, the next time they play, who they play? Who's Kentucky next? Yeah. Okay, grab a good. Yeah, but then, who just went into Knoxville, Walter, who's now swept Tennessee, but. The next team they play, Kentucky, whoever, is now going to step out on him on those stretch four. I get that. And so he's not going to have those wide-open looks. He got at the end of the Arkansas game when Arkansas quit caring because they were up 25, and they, they hadn't scouted him. So I, I, I understand he's not going to make a whole lot more. But on a team that doesn't make any, I, I, it shocked me that he hadn't played a little bit. Not a lot, but a little. And a team that had no power forward, by the way. I mean, when once Felder went down, they didn't have a power forward, so they played. They played two six five forwards. How was he not in there a little bit? What what could the possible explanation be of why not? Why I understand why he wasn't a rotation guy. He's not very athletic, but six minutes a game. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, again, this is it's it's unfortunate to say, but I think you're one of the Todd Golden basketball era has been basically a complete zero. I mean, I, I, I just – I mean, again – and, and again, there, there will always be the benefit of the doubt. I don't think they were making the NCAA tournament if Castleton doesn't get hurt. 
I just don't think they were. I think no, I don't. Either. I think they I would either. have. I, I totally agree. Yeah, I, but uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and again, that's fine. I I don't think that the expectations were overly high. I you know, I mean, when he took the job, we saw the roster and we said he's going to really have trouble just getting to five hundred. Um, and unfortunately, I think that's where this is going to come in at is that you know they're they're going to probably finish with a losing record. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that I'll go as far as to say it's a complete zero because I do really like Riley Kugel and he's a freshman yeah. and he's showing, I think, some great prowess offensively and defensively. But overall, it's not a team that was assembled to win a lot of games. Yeah, I, sure. and I'll say this. He'll be at Kansas next <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. Let's assume just for the sake of the discussion. Take dis- him from me. Let, let, let's just say for the sake of the discussion that Shimmy makes a few more threes, Okay. So when next year comes around and Richard, Kugel, Fudge, and Shimmy are on the team and nobody else is, there's worse foundations, to your point. I still don't think that means they're going to be very good next year. It depends on who they get in the portal and whatnot. But there's more – and to a point, you've made Hayes all along. And, and, I, and I keep waiting to see if this has happened. I guess i got to wait till next year. He wants to make a lot of threes. He, they take more threes. They have an offense that gets you open threes, which they've gotten that. That has worked. It's not like they haven't found any open threes. They just have nobody that can make them. If he gets a bunch of guys, because I think, I think the two guys he signed, the two commitments, are two tall guys that can shoot. They're not, they're not running dunk guys. The two, I don't even know their name, but he, I think they're two commitments, and they're both, they're both stretch guys that can shoot it. I will be interested to see how they play with a bunch of guys that can shoot it. I, I am certainly interested in seeing where it goes, and I'm by no means ready to give up on Todd Golden. But I, I do think that, that much is going to be expected. And, and look, I'm sure Todd Golden and his staff would agree. I mean, they, you know, I don't know how successful I would say this was of, of a first year. Um, again, we'll see. I, I'm pretty much expecting them to win maybe once or twice more. Yeah, they won't win many games. Um, They're about done. But, uh, you know, I like schematically, I think, what he is. But uh, but in terms of identifying and you know and developing, you know, I mean, it's it's there's not a lot to be thrilled about, I would say. Um, but again, it's you got to give them not you got to give them two more years. Oh, absolutely. Beyond this year, yeah, I think before you can even really start to have a firm idea of what it's going to be. Two hundred percent agree with that. If we if we start running out of again, when I say I'm concerned, I'm why wouldn't he have played this one guy that can shoot it? That does what people hear that they go, you see, you got the wrong coach. Not not the wrong coach, just the coach has to figure that part out. That's kind of the point. So all right, we'll take a break. Uh when we come back, um, did you watch any of the XFL? I did. You watch any of the XFL? They've nope. got a couple things that I like. I me too. And I watch I, I I the obvious things will be the rules things we'll talk about. But I watched it more than I've watched these other leagues. Maybe to your point, Lauren, we said we talked before the show, there's nothing on. Yeah. You know. But I watched. I, I I watched. I was way more into the golf than I was any football. Yeah, the golf yeah. was great. Yeah, yeah the, the golf, golf was, was way great. better, way better. It's real golf, not real golf versus sort of real football. Right. I agree, but uh, we'll talk about it. Stay with us. If you recognize this song, it would be ELO, of course. Then your chance to win a pair of tickets to go see the ELO experience tomorrow night at the Florida Theater. At 8 o'clock is right now. Be caller number 4641-1010. Caller number 4641-1010, and you are headed to see the ELO experience. Jeff Lynn's not with them. This is what they did is the band broke up like 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. And like 
two of them did this, and two of them went with Jeff Lynn. Ah. Really happened. And but I for for people that win this that are going tomorrow night, I've heard that the guy sounds so they had to go get a new lead singer. So it's like like the the guitarist or one of the other ones started it. But here the guy sounds just like him. So it's not a tribute. It's not a tribute. No, okay. it's, a, it's a band. That's when I heard Elo Experience, no. I just assumed tribute. Okay. They, they, well, unless it's a different one. But I know there's a band out. You know what? I mean, I, there's a band out there that's ELO. And that's why Jeff Lynn now calls himself Jeff Lynn's ELO. But the one that's ELO, Lauren, I'm telling you, they, they sound just like him. So if you love ELO's music, you're going to like it. So congratulations to whoever wins the ticket. Very nice. It looks like it is a tribute band. Maybe maybe it's a different group. But either way, yeah. we've seen tributes like we've talked about in the yep. past uh, at Alhambra and places good. like that, and they are so good. Yeah. By the way, Jeff Lynn is just uh, got nominated into he got into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. So the amount of people that have been in, that are in the Rock Hall and the Songwriters Hall, there's like ten. Oh wow! Which is which is pretty cool. So they come. The um, you didn't watch any of it. I watched no XFL. Uh, I had a busy weekend, so no XFL watching for me. But you were actually intrigued because I asked y'all on Friday, are you excited about the XFL? No interest. I had not a lick. Yeah, y'all but, were not interested, but, but I went through the different Gators and Knowles that are on rosters and the coaches yeah. and things like and, that. And I watched a little of that. Um, I didn't see either, either of the afternoon games. I was at the baseball Saturday and playing golf Sunday. But the two 8 o'clock games, I found myself home both times. Last night we were just at home, and I left, a little, left the baseball a little bit early on Saturday. Our game started at 7, so I left – Eight fifteen, maybe so. They're about midway through the game because um, I'd been there all day, so I watched a little bit. Hey, you said some things you like. I think I know what you're going to say, but what'd you like? I love the kickoff. Um, I, I really think that's where that that's the beauty of these kind of leagues is they're going to experiment with some things that I think you have to see implemented before you can appreciate them. And the kickoff, because of the safety component... Explain what it is. Explain what I, it is. I, it, basically, what they do is instead of having everybody run down 50 yards and then collide into each other, uh, like something out of a medieval battle, uh, they now have changed it to where basically only the kicker is deep. The other 10 guys are basically... 10 yards from the rest of the, the return team. They're 10 yards apart. Yeah, and so they can't move until the ball is fielded. Once the ball is fielded, it's a live ball and everybody goes. And so it, it, at that point, becomes almost a glorified running play, you know, in offense. And I think it, it from a safety standpoint, I think it, it solves your problem, and I think it becomes a much more competitive play. Let, let, let me explain to people exactly what Hayes said, because I, I heard it, but until you see it, it looks weird. So the kicker is on his own 30, like always. The return guys on the goal line, like always. Those those players are where they normally are. The other twenty players, ten on each team, on the kickoff team, I think they line up on the the plus forty, and the return guys are on the minus are on the on the thirty. So on the return on the return team side, picture this: ten guys lined up on the thirty yard line, and then ten guys lined up on the forty yard line of the returner side, ten yards apart. So the ball's kicked off. You can't move until the returner catches the ball. Then once he catches it, then the 10 guys try to block the 10 guys, but they're only 10 yards apart, so there's no collision. And it and, and it what it does, it it creates more returns, but less violence. It, it's, I agree with you. It's a great – it's really – it sounded dumb to me. It's a very, very innovative idea. Yeah, I love it. And I, I hadn't seen that uh, put forward before, so I thought that was really exciting. 
The other component that the XFL is doing that I do wish would get more support in the NFL, the Ravens have brought it forward and it's just never, it's always been tabled, uh, is the uh, getting rid of the onside kick for the 4th and 15 option. Uh, we saw that this weekend. It was converted in a, in a massive comeback win. But basically it's a 4th and 15 play from your own 25. And if you can convert it, you keep the ball. If you don't, then obviously the the defense takes over uh, wherever the 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 ball you know ended up being down. So I I love that aspect of it. Onside kicks have become really really difficult to recover, and again, there's a massive safety issue with those. Uh, so this helps eliminate that. So the XFL is doing two things: one in which I I've never seen before the kickoff, and then the the fourth and fifteen uh, in lieu of the onside kick. I think are innovative and I think fantastic. Yeah, it's the uh, the I can tell you this. What I don't know about is the onside kick thing full game. If you score on your first possession of the game, can you do it, or is it only a fourth quarter thing? See, the Ravens recommended it only as a fourth quarter thing. I, I want to say this is you the can whole do game it whenever you want. So you score a touchdown, and you if you want the ball back, you just you st- what yard line does it start it's on? Your own twenty-five. Your own twenty-five. Onside you- kicks are available during any part of the game. And okay, so from your own twenty-five in in this league, the equivalent of the onside kick, you mean? Right. Okay, so I didn't. So the Ravens' proposal to the NFL was only in the fourth quarter. You couldn't do this. Now I don't know if there's regular onside kicks or what, but you can only do this in the NFL at the end of the game. So, um, in the last quarter. So- yeah, I think it might be in the XFL too. The fourth quarter only. Yes, actually. fourth quarter only was the Ravens. That was the Ravens uh, thing. So, so the fourth quarter, if you wanted to get the ball back, because did you see one team? And by the way, did you did you go through the the extra points? Are interesting. There's no kicked extra points. Yeah, there a one point extra point is from the two yard line. A two point extra point is from the five yard line, and a three point extra point is from the ten. So if you snap the ball, if you if you snap it from the ten, you're going for three. Did and and did you see the one game? Where someone was up, I, I don't, one of the teams was up like seventeen to three, with like thirty seconds left and lost the game. Team scored a touchdown, seventeen nine, went for three, got it, seventeen twelve, converted the fourth and fifteen to keep the ball and then scored a touchdown to win, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the extra, did you like the extra point part or is that too much? That's too much for me. I don't want a three point conversion available. Yeah. So, what about you? I wouldn't like it either. Yeah, so the three-point conversion is a little much. And I still think football's got to have kicking extra points. I think kick, kicking the extra point is part of what football is. I, I don't think you should have football where you don't kick the extra point. So, but, so the, the, the rules are interesting. And I, I love the kickoff rule. It looks goofy as hell, but I think it's safer and better. I, uh, I like the fourth and 15, but I think it's probably got to be in the fourth quarter. I, I don't think you can – because if you're really good offensively, you, you, can't, you can't be make it, take it. It, the, the, it was not designed so you can keep getting the ball back. It was designed to help a team that's about to lose stay in the game. That that right? I mean, so, so I don't think you can do. I don't think you could do a full game. Um, It'd yeah. be interesting to see if coaches would do it, you know, for a full game because I would think even for Kansas City, fourth and fifteen is a fairly low percentage play. Certainly, it's lower than fifty percent. Right. So, did you find yourself cheering for any specific team? As you oh watched? no, I no. Okay. I don't care. But the other thing is. I and I did and I did by the way. Okay. I cheered for Orlando because Shane Matthews is on the staff. I cheered for Seattle because Ron Zook is on the staff. My cheering got them both beat by the way. Just yeah, so I was you know. going to say they both lost. They both well. lost. Um but what the other thing I found is 
there's enough quarterbacks who I've seen play. You knew all the quarterbacks. You knew Paxton Lynch. He was the first-round pick. You knew Ben DiNardo or whatever his name Dinucci. is. Danucci because he had been with the Cowboys. Um, you knew Jordan Ta'amo because you saw him play at Ole Miss. So I thought that part was – you knew the players. There were a handful. I mean, Josh Gordon was in that game. Mm-hmm. We all know Josh Gordon. Josh Hammond, the former Gator, was there. So I don't know why, but I found my – the little bit I watched – I found myself knowing more names than I ever have in one of these leagues. Did you feel that way, or did you pay enough attention to not? I probably didn't see. Yeah, I mean, I certainly I didn't. I recognized the names that that you're talking about. It wasn't enough for me to have right. any, I'd say, extra enjoyment in it. I mean, um, Matt Elam was in the game. I mean, guys. I mean, I mean, AJ McCarron is, is a starter. I didn't realize AJ McCarron, yeah. Matt Elam. It's um, amazing. Matt Elam still playing football. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of guys. There were guys. There were a lot of guys like that. That I that I knew I knew them I knew their name I remember them that's what there was more of that than I expected yeah and, and again I we could have this conversation in three weeks and I won't have seen a single snap it yeah. was just I it was just something that kind of like you I you know just almost by accident ended up watching it uh, last night so you know we'll see but I you know again. I, I do like the fact that, you know, you've told the story about the three-point shot. It was not an NBA right. idea. Right. That's and, right. And, you know, I think sometimes innovation can come from leagues that are startup that are trying to, you know, create some buzz. But right. that doesn't mean those ideas are all bad. And I do think the XFL has some ideas the NFL should look at. The kickoff they should absolutely look at. I wonder how it will compare with the USFL, who also is going to play. I've always said, here's what's interesting. I thought about this. We, you and Hayes, Hayes, you and I have always agreed, maybe you as well, Lauren, that the best chance you have is to play after the draft and after OTA, so there's really no other football. So when play, to play in May, June, and July when football really is gone, the only time. Instead, they're playing now when we're talking about the draft a lot. And their idea was play right after the Super Bowl while football's still hot. And I've always said I like the other better. But I will say this. I got thinking about this. Right now, for me, Gibby, maybe for you, I don't know if you watched any of it. Right now, when there's no baseball, when there's no golf of significance for me, I might watch it more now because there's no chance. I got home Saturday night, okay? And from this base, from, from our baseball, 8.30, there was nothing on. Okay, Susanna hung out for a while. We we're going to watch a movie, but I've been in between. I was watching. There was nothing else that I – I don't care about the NBA All-Star Weekend, and even if NBA teams are playing, it's not my thing. If the Pirates were on, or for that matter, anybody else was playing baseball, there's no chance I'd have turned it on. But for me, I took a peek. Gibby, did you watch any of it? Oh, no, you were working. You, no, you, I was you, working. You were, you were, Saturday yeah, was the 16-inning yeah, game yeah, with Gibby, JU. But Gibby was working, yeah. No, I, a friend of mine that asked me if I was going to watch the XFL. No, I, I don't have much interest in watching it. I might watch – some, but well, not much. Well, Gibby, I answered it the same way. Right. But then I turned it on. And you just watched it. And I watched it. But, but yeah. if there's baseball on, no chance. If there was a golf tournament of significance, even if I was watching highlights or watching that night's broadcast on the golf network, there's no chance. You know, so. Well, and channel. it's and it's probably going to start getting tough because, you know, particularly in our market, because you will have the players. You'll have uh, conference finals in basketball, conference tournaments. You'll then have March Madness, which is going to basically be three straight really great weekends, certainly two straight. And then I guess the third weekend is more of a Saturday night, Monday. Right. But um, so, yeah. So, again, 
I wouldn't be surprised if I don't watch a whole lot of it uh, from, you know, over the next month or so. But, but yeah, it was, it was, it was fine, you know, and, and again, I, obviously I, I love football, but I, I don't get beyond the Super Bowl and say, boy, I could really use some minor league football. You know, I just, I don't, I, I do think there would be more of an appetite for it, um, you know, after uh, the draft and in May and in June, because you haven't seen football in so long by that point. But, uh, but we'll see. I think they were smart to put some of the games at night, and they were smart to put them on networks that people can find easily. You didn't have to go searching for it. And so I, I do think that helps. But, yeah, I have a feeling that in three weeks, no one's talking about the XFL. Yeah, well, me too. I, I don't, I'm not sure they're talking about it now. You know, so, but I, I mean, I, but, but less, less, fewer people are talking about it. So, we'll take a break. We got one hour to go in the program. We come back. I'm back. To, I'm going to get to college football. I got a thought about the Knowles. I'll explain it after this. Hey, we're glad you're with us. Hey, it's Carlion is here. Lauren Brooks, Andrew Gibson. I'm Frank Frangie. We bark on a Monday. We do want to thank our friends at The Best Bet. So much fun stuff going on at The Best Bet. There always is great stuff at The Best Bet. I mean, great stuff all month long. A Run Good Poker Series is coming to The Best Bet in March. Those satellites begin at the end of February. You're going to love it. And all those early bird specials, man. Go to Orange Park, Saturdays and Sundays, $300 high hands in the morning. On Saturdays and Sundays, there's your brunch, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. There's always fun stuff going on. They know how to stack it up over there at the Best Bet. That's in Orange Park. That's in St. Augustine and on Monument Road. Long-time sponsor of this program, I promise you. We sure appreciate our friends from the Best Bet. Always the Best Bet Monday around here. All right, I was thinking about this. The, the Gators, and we follow them closely, have had so many coaches that we connect with. Spurrier, the great Spurrier. Urban Meyer, like him or not, he won two titles. We know Zook because some people wanted him out right away. I believe he did a better job than he's ever given credit for, but I'm biased. Um, we know Charlie Pell because he built, he rebuilt it. Everybody knows Galen Hall because he was lovable and he had those great teams in the mid-'80s. And now, hopefully, you know, Billy Napier rebuilt it. We know kind of what happened with Mullen Muschamp, not going the whole bit. Florida State doesn't have that because they had one coach who was so freaking great. And they had another coach who – for a while, was great. I mean, so just like Florida had Spurrier and Meyer, Florida State had Bowden and Jimbo. Yet they come, they encompassed four decades. the the whole The Bowden Jimbo run went from seventy five to two thousand sixteen. Right, forty years, somewhere there, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. forty years. So Florida State doesn't have a lot of co- football coaches with whom they've connected. Old-timers remember Larry Jones and Daryl Mudra. Um, the, uh, the Taggart thing was a disaster. The, uh, the really old-timers, people my age or older, remember, and I was a little kid when Bill Peterson was there. In fact, Bill Peterson was probably the second greatest coach ever there other than Bowden because he brought in the he brought in Belitnikoff and the passing game and all that. But Florida State doesn't have a lot of heritage coaches because they had one guy that was so great for so long. I mean, one of the best of all time. But I'm watching this guy, Mike Norvell, and he had the one. He only had one good year, and it, and it was a. It's not like they went to the playoff, you know. But it was a good year. It was a damn good year, and they're going to start the season very high. But every time I look up, he's somewhere. I looked up. He was at the baseball game the other day. He was at the baseball game and throughout the first pitch. Throughout the first pitch, linked Jared's high five at him. They're hugging. I might have missed it, but I don't remember Jimbo throwing out a first pitch. Maybe he did. 
but I certainly don't remember it. And again, he won a national title and he made another playoff, so maybe he did and I'm just not remembering. But there wasn't this affection for him. Now, nobody's going to have a Bowden-like affection. I mean, that's they'll never replicate that again. I'm not sure any other school will either. He was, he, he was the greatest. But I wonder if this guy Norvell becomes this icon. Mike Martin Jr., Mike, Mike Martin Sr. was an icon. Okay. But he became an icon because he was there so long and people, even fans that weren't if you were one of them, Hayes, that weren't FSU fans kind of rooted for him, you know? Mm-hmm. Because, because but I see this guy Norvell, he looks the part, he's a good looking guy, he's in great shape, they had a good year, and he's real committed to being everywhere. He'll be at the track meet, you know, he'll be he'll be at the softball game. They have a really good softball program. He'll, he'll show up at the softball game. Can he climb that list of Florida State heroes? It's a big list if you can players now. There's Dion and there's Charlie Ward and there's Derek Brooks and there's obviously Bobby is a I mean there there it's a good list. Where can Mike Norvell go? Let's assume they have a good year this year. They they make the playoff or they go eleven and two and just miss the playoff or what you're right the kind of year they could have right is is he hero there? I mean because because nobody got there for Florida even when Dan Mullen won ten games he was never headed to that was he? It didn't. It didn't yeah, I mean, I I think he has a great chance to do that if he goes to the playoff. They got to I mean, be because good. I think they were bad long enough to where whoever rescues them out of that, I think, will always be held in in very high acclaim. I I still think it's you know I still think he has to prove it. Yeah, they got to be know, good. And, and, but but for the nature of your conversation, if uh, yeah, if they go eleven and one and they are in the playoff as the ACC yeah. champ. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that he will be embraced as as much as as you can be. Yeah, because he's, you, he will have rescued them from yeah really dismal times. Not just a year. I mean, they were bad for about five or six years. Yeah, very bad. Jimbo wasn't lovable. Beyond that, he just picked up from a coach who was great and continued to be great. So they never had the. They struggled at the end of the Bowden era, but everyone knew that was probably because it was the end of the Bowden era. I just feel like. What, and, and Jimbo was always complaining. He was always complaining. We don't have enough this. We don't. He was flirting with the other schools, Auburn, LSU, Texas, before finally going to A and M. You're lucky to have me. Yeah, yeah right. Was sort of. It, the, that, that was the well said. Yeah. That was that was what you got, wasn't it? You're lucky to have me. Why don't you give me more stuff? And I think this guy is just the opposite. You said it way more succinctly than I did. Don't you sense that this is different for them? Yeah, I read something recently that was. Along the lines of you are the person or your character shows through when you meet someone that can't do anything for you. How you treat someone who cannot do anything for you, essentially. Mike Norvell seems like the guy who, if he meets an intern, is friendly, very conversational, and make sure that that person, like Doug Peterson here in Jacksonville. I was just going to say. Yeah, that that person has everything that they need so that they can do their job efficiently and also cares about the community. The difference between Urban and Doug, and I'm not trying to pile on Urban again, but your point's a very good one. The difference between Urban, old school screaming to mean, and Doug Peterson, build a culture and respect your players publicly, seems the same as Jimbo to... Mike Norvell. And I know Taggart was in between him. I know. But I mean, it just seems like that it seems the same. It's just, it's, 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 it's fascinating to me. It's very intriguing. Even Leonard Hamilton is a wonderful guy. And who doesn't love Leonard Hamilton? But they never did enough or never cared enough about basketball to where he became an icon. Billy Donovan became an icon 
because he won two national championships and went to five final fours. That'll do it, by the way. And so and treated people well. And, and was a good dude way. on top of all that. Yeah. Well, I think Leonard Hamilton's a really good dude too, but he's not been to a final four. Billy well, he Don- got robbed. Yeah, was yeah, right, but he's still not been to one. He's not been to a final four. He's not won a title. He's not he's not that I think it took Bill to, for for Billy to be an icon. It took that, right? I mean, it it ha- it, ha- it took that. And so uh and you're right, Lord, on top of being a good dude. So I I'm just watching this guy. And maybe Link Jarrett will be that cuz he's a great coach. I mean, they got a good coach, man. I don't think you can be an icon as a baseball I don't coach. either. I don't either. Mike Martin was, I said it earlier, but for a different reasons. He was because of, because of the tenure and the lovability. You know, I think that. So, I don't know. It's going to be it, – it'll be a fun follow. They're going to be, I think, one of the most intriguing teams of the college football season because it's a program that you expect to be elite but hasn't been for a while and is finally showing signs that it is uh, not just waking up but ready to go out and, and win some really big games with everybody returning. Uh, it's, I think there's going to be so many eyes on FSU's program, and it's going to be fascinating, I think, to see how they handle it. Because I, I, I think they're going to be good, but I don't think you can sit there. You certainly can't sit there with the, you know, with the, the resume that the elite college football teams of, of late can give you. With Florida State, you're relying on last year, which – I still think there's some part of that that could have been some smoke and mirrors, but I think there is a lot of talent. I think Jordan Travis is magnificent. Uh, they're back. They've got basically all their key pieces back, and the schedule's favorable. So uh, there's no reason for me to think that they won't duplicate what they did last year, but I am intrigued to see how much improvement they make from last year. If, if, if they don't get better – than what they were last year, then I don't think they're going to have the season that they they believe that they're going to have. But because everybody is back, they have a chance to take a, a big step forward. And if they take a big step forward, they absolutely could go. I mean, they honestly, they could run the table. I, I don't know that they're going to be an underdog in any game that they play. Or they certainly aren't going to be a big one. I, I would think they're going to be the favorite against LSU and Orlando to open the season. It won't be a big spread, but I would think they're going to be favored. We'll see at Clemson, but at this point, I wouldn't be shocked if if that's a very close spread. And, and every other game, I think they will be the favorite in. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see the line for the FSU-LSU game. I wouldn't be surprised if LSU is favored, even though, like Hayes said, Florida State, Frank, is returning 87% of its production from a season ago. It They certainly had flaws, and the question is going to be, can Mike Norvell fix those through coaching and and the other additions that he'll bring in? And the other point you made, Hayes, they got to be better because people, they're not surprising anybody now. Florida State, like it or not, snuck up on people. Now you think, how does Florida State University, with Charlie and Dion and Warwick Dunn and Bobby, sneak up on anybody? But they did. They, people have forgotten about Florida State. It, it sounds crazy even now since they had a bounce back season, but they did. Nobody, nobody expected that. They, they stuck. We can't sneak up on them now. And so, so that's the biggest step for a coach. I, t- I always tell you, there's two steps for a coach. Number one, can he do it with the next wave of players when he did it with the first wave? And number two, can he do it when everybody expects him to be good and they get a bit of a target on their back? And he did that. So, I mean, and I think that's the that's the challenge to it. But it, it will it will be a fun. I mean, it's going to be a fun season. It'll be, it'll be about as fun a season as I can remember. You know, it's interesting. They lost Kenny Dillingham, who's a really good football coach. 
Went to Oregon last year, one year as the coordinator, now he's the Arizona State head coach. So they lost Kenny Dillingham and got better. Now, Alex Atkins was the coordinator, but I think Norvell called the plays. If, I, if I'm in FSU, folks can, can correct me if I'm wrong. But I think Dillingham called the plays until he left, and then Norvell called him. Am I right about that? Why do I think that? I think you're right. I think that's right. I think, I, I think, I think that's what it is, but it'll, it'll be interesting. Anyway, I just this, – this Norvell con- called the plays. Yeah, and this conversation isn't as much about – about how good they'll be next year. We've had that and we'll continue to. But about where's his where's his place among FSU legends? And there's a bunch of them. Where where is his place if they get on a good run? Because and the other here's the other thing too. What's the one thing that happens if you the one thing that scares you if your coach is good, you win a championship? I'm leaving. Every, I don't get the sense he's leaving. I don't either. But I don't know enough about his goals and dreams and visions to know that answer. He's from Arkansas. But I don't sense he leaves for the Arkansas job. Do you? I wouldn't think. I don't. I, even though I mean that that's his roots. His roots are Arkansas. But he didn't go to. He went to Central Arkansas or whatever. I think I think it was Central Arkansas. But he went to a smaller school. But he's from Arkansas. He's from that area. But he was at Memphis. I mean that's home, you know. And so I, I don't I don't sense that he leaves for Arkansas. So then the question is, does he leave for one of the big ones? That's uh, the Ohio State, Michigan, LSU. I agree with Lauren. I don't. I don't sense that he's that guy. I. I don't know, but I don't. I, I could see him there a long time. I could too. I mean, I. I again. I. Let's just say for argument that that they go eleven and one. I mean, it, that's that would be the the really interesting component for me is if like Sark gets fired at Texas. You know, does he? Is the allure of Texas too much to to turn down? Um. You know, but. I, I think that he's probably going to be at Florida State for a while. I mean, it, it seems like he's obviously happy. He has the extension. It seems like they're starting to, you know, really develop an identity for being the place in the portal. And uh, they're starting to uh, hit their stride from a high school recruiting standpoint. I'm sure that, you know, now he's made some pretty significant inroads in recruiting the state. So uh, we'll see. The other thing, too, is it's, it's a pretty fun job if Florida and Miami are terrible. I mean, mm-hmm. and look, I don't know. I, I don't think Florida is going to be terrible. Um, but I also don't know that they're going to be elite in the next two years. Uh, Miami might be terrible. So if you're Florida State and, and you're the, the king of, of the big three, you're the head coach, yeah. pretty fun pretty fun job. Be in a fun little run. If and you, if you and we'll it. see about Clemson. I mean, look, I, I think Clemson has to answer some questions on – is their dominance in the ACC, you know, at least somewhat now, the dominance part coming to an end? They're they're obviously still going to be a, a absolute contender in the ACC, but are they ready to to cede a little bit of that ground to Florida State? All right, we'll take a break. We'll go back to some baseball talk coming up more in a moment. Stay with us on ten ten XL ninety two point five FM. Great friends, Hayes Carlyle, Lauren Brooks, and Andrew Gibson with you as we uh, move along. I love baseball, but I got to chuckle. It's okay if I chuckle. I'm allowed sure. to chuckle on it. Chuckling is good for your health. Yeah, to give me, I got to chuckle. Yeah, what do you got? Well, the latest news is that uh, in light of all the moo, all the money that Steve Cohen is spending with the Mets, and you know all the ba- all the RSNs, the regional sports networks are all going under. Have you seen? Have you seen, seen the story? Have you seen it, Hayes? Mm-hmm. Have you seen the story? Yeah, Bally Sports, right? Well, well Diamond, Diamond, which which is the Bally Sports, but all of them, AT and T, Sportsnet, all of them, they're all going under because the cord cutting is now. Remember, they spend tens of millions of dollars 
They they have they have this talent. They go to every game. They have this crew. They they televise every game. So they're all they're all in trouble. So the teams aren't getting paid what they're supposed to get paid. So base, baseball's got to come and pay the teams the money that the network was supposed to pay them. So baseball concerned about what's happening with these these regional sports networks who have filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy and concerned that Steve Cohen's just going to keep spending. They did something really brilliant, and I'm proud of them for this. Boy, Hayes, the owners have formed a, quote, economic reform committee. <laughs> That'll solve it. Why, you don't need a salary cap. You know what you need? Committee. An economic <laughs> reform committee. Are you really? You're the only sport without a salary cap in North America. And instead of going to a cap, you're going to form the Economic Reform Committee. I bet that the Economic Reform Committee will suggest a salary cap. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, it, it's, I, I, it's my favorite we sport. We meet quarterly, I don't, Tuesdays <laughs> from 10 to 10.08. There'll be burgers. Yes. Maybe some fries, mm-hmm. you know. I'm in. I mean, well, I mean, I love the sport. You know I do. It's my favorite sport, but you're making you're making a fool of yourselves here when you're going to form a committee when everybody in the civilized world knows how to solve it. The way the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, MSL, who am I missing? Everybody else solves it. Make people you can spend A, no more than A, and you have to spend at least C. What am I missing? The second part, uh, that yeah. you're not missing that, but I think the yeah. owners who don't spend are missing it. Yeah, no, I'm with you, but I mean, economic they, reform committee. They're saying they can't afford it. Yeah. Is that what they? Is that well, well, we, we, I don't I hate to have the same show over and over again, but yeah, the the cheap ass owners refuse to spend the money. So they have a majority that won't vote it in. No, because the rich owners don't want to be capped on how much they can spend. So they also won't. So vote the it rich in. owners don't want to cap. Because they want to keep spending. The poor owners don't want to cap because it comes with a floor and they'll have to spend more. What they want to do is all keep making money. The beauty of this is if these regional sports networks really do go under, mm-hmm. well, now the teams aren't going to make as much money. Now the Bob Nuttings of the world, the Pirates owner, who's so freaking cheap, now it, he, may, he may have to try and win. So can't Rob Manfred step in and say – we're, we're going to have a salary cap, and, here, well, and see, here's a bargained. ceiling, he, here's they a floor. They missed the boat. He could have, during the collective bargaining, they should have drawn a line. They can't now, yeah. but they should have drawn a line and said, listen, we're going to have a cap or we're not going to play. The NHL did it in 03 or 04, and they missed a year. They sat out a full season. They said, we're, the NHL, Gary Bettman was there then, right? Or was it Bettman or his predecessor? It was Bettman. Bettman. Mm-hmm. He said, we're going to have a salary cap or we're not playing. And the, the union fought it. And Bettman said, that's it. When you guys want to play and make the millions of dollars you make for playing hockey, let me know, and then we'll come play with our salary cap. That's what the owner said. So, anyway. I just so, Manfred it. probably makes enough money, and he's close with the rich owners and, yeah, and make, probably the poor owners He's as making well. his $30 million. Yeah. You know, why does he care? Exactly. He's, the uh, the Mets are spending $336 million. $336 million. According to SpotRack. That is Two hundred million more than twelve teams. Twelve. Three hundred thirty-six million is a lot of money to spend to make third place yeah, and it, in your division. <laughs> and there's two hundred million more They're spending. T- yeah, two hundred million more than the team that has the 
yeah, they if you took two hundred million off of their payroll, they're more, they're still they hard. would still rank eighteenth. <laughs> well, he's the modern day Steinbrenner. Cohen, correct? Cohen is is Stein, He's he is Steinbrenner. The, I they're twenty six man payroll, right? Is three hundred and five million, and then they've got forty on the roster to get them to three hundred thirty six so, million. So that don't they have? Didn't I read where there's Mets players? Who make more this year than entire teams? Yes, I could believe it. I mean, in according to Spotrac, just more than forty million dollars. The yeah. lowest payroll is the A's at basically forty-one million. That's well, their my entire team's team. got to be right around there. Your team is uh, third from the bottom, twenty-eighth. Uh, they're spending sixty point seven. Oh, you know what? You big guys are spenders. big spenders We're compared big spenders. to the A's. But the uh, but anyway, I just get a, I get a kick out of it. The Economic Reform Committee. Well, that'll solve it. It, it. I was worried about baseball's future until I learned that they have formed an economic reform committee. Now I feel okay. But it's 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 interesting to me when we have this debate because Gibby, correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't tend to be you don't tend to jump in on it. So I I think there's got to be a segment of baseball fans that just simply don't care that the the economics of the sport don't don't deter their enjoyment of it. Is that right? No, it doesn't. It doesn't bother me because. Like I said, the Mets can spend three hundred thirty-six million. The Braves and Phillies can still finish ahead of them, and probably will. But I mean, look, the the Astros won the World Series last year. They didn't have the biggest payroll in baseball. They were up. They were among them. So were the Braves. So were the Red Sox. They didn't win either. You know what? You know what it would bother you, Gibby? Honestly, if you're a Pirates, fan. is if your team spent forty million dollars. Yeah. You know, so um, yeah, but that's that's all. That's also on the owner not spending. Oh, you preaching? Well, yeah, preaching to the yeah. choir. I I I hundred percent agree. The baseball's bad financial circumstance allows the cheap ass owner not to spend. Well, and that's the thing is, let's say the average payroll is 148 million. So let's say that they put the floor at you have to spend to 120 million, right? Uh, every year, right. you've got to be an average of 120 million over a period of like four years, or or to be in compliance of the cap. There are. Like basically a dozen teams that aren't even close to that, right? And they don't because they don't have so, to be. Yeah, so and they. You know, that's what I would be in favor of the floor. I, I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't really care about the the cap because the 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 team that has the biggest payroll doesn't always win. Yeah, but there there still should be both. There's, yeah, I, I can see that. But I'll, but also tell you this, and and I, and the Rays are a problem, and the Pirates are about to become a problem because here's the deal, and and I and, and this really is real. The Pirates brought in. A management team that knows what the Rays are doing, and they'll be a little better this year. They'll they'll lose instead of a hundred, they'll lose eighty five to ninety. But by next year, they're probably going to be pretty good. It's probably going to be thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen all over again, just like the Rays have sustained. Mm -hmm. It looks. I mean, Gibby, I saw a list: the top five catching prospects in baseball. I saw this list yesterday. Mm -hmm. Two were on the Pirates. Now, who has two? It's because they, they have this great farm system. So, it'll, Lauren, you remember 13, 14, and 15, how good they were. Mm -hmm. And then they'll be bad again. You know, now, so, but the, but the fact that teams will learn how to do it will make people, will make the owners continue to think you don't have to. But anyway, I, I wasn't going to do a whole segment on the Economic Reform Committee. It just made me chuckle. <laughs> yeah, that is. If I took the payrolls for Oakland, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, and Cincinnati. Those collective combined payrolls come out to two hundred and eighty five million. <laughs> you are still roughly fifty million under right. what the Mets are spending. Five teams. 
And the ones that screw it up for everybody are the Rays. And Cleveland, because Cleveland and, and made Cle- the playoffs. And Cleveland, because they're good at it. And they the Cleveland payroll is $75 million. They made the playoffs. Yeah, it, amazing. And, and, and the A's were good for a while, but they didn't sustain it. No, Just Max the, Scherzer makes more money every year than the A's. Isn't that amazing? And the, the Rays Scherzer rise. makes $43 million. Uh, having said that, Gibby, uh, what are your early impressions we go to spring training? Not the Braves. I know, I know we know where the Braves are. Anybody got your attention as we go, go to the spring training? American League teams, teams we don't talk about very much. Anybody got your attention? Yeah, I, I think um, Seattle is really building something. I think Julio Rodriguez is the next f- phenom in, in baseball, and he's 21, 22 years old. Um, he was a guy that, if you don't know, if you watched the Home Run Derby last year, put on an absolute show, was a rookie of the year, by the way, in the American League. So I, I think Seattle's really building something out there. You know, I'm I'm just fascinated to see all the rule changes. The pitch clock, Me too. The, the bases Me too. are are three inches. I said two the other day. It's three, so the bases were 15 inches. Now they're 18, so it's a little bit of a difference. But I think that's going to help. You know, their base runners steal steal more. That really is the, the changes. Really are the story, aren't they? Give even more than any of the teams, right? Even more than the Mets. I think the the story, the real story, is the changes. The pickoff I, move. You can't. I, you can only do it twice per plate appearance. Now I can't remember in my lifetime. Y'all jump in here. Any sport changing this significant, the changing its rules this significantly in one year? Can you? I cannot. I mean, football slowly but surely went to the two point conversion, and they and they they subtly did things. You can't touch the quarterback. You can't ride receivers. The NBA went to a three pointer in what in the seventies? I guess probably when did the NBA go to a three pointer? Mid seventies, early eighties. You would probably have a better idea of that than I would. It's it's seventies. It yeah, it feels like mid, I've mid seventies, mid seventies. So the NBA got it well before college. Seventy nine, eighty. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then college didn't adopt it. College, like the mid-80s, college right? did it like in the early eighties on a on a trial basis. Okay. And then by mid eighties, I think they asked. So seventy nine, eighties when the NBA. Did. So but the point is, what would the football equivalent of some of these? changes be like um, is it be it would basically be like the nfl saying you can no longer run the nickel defense no 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 way more than that because that because that nickel that that football has done that they've changed chucking hitting uh bump and run they've changed this would be the equivalent of football saying first downs are 15 yards wow that 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 the that would be the equivalent of his first first downs 15 yards that that would that that would be the uh, it's pretty seismic. Yeah, I mean that that this would be the equivalent of that. A foot, foot, you still play, and teams would still make some first downs, but the game would change exponentially. Well, the one of the biggest changes I always point to with the taking away the shift, it's going to increase averages across right. the game. I think. Right. The one example is Corey Seager for the Rangers made all that money with them for, previously with the Dodgers hit two forty five last year. He had the most hits taken away by the shift. If you could not shift, he would hit two eighty. Well, the funny thing about that is, who did I get from the Rays? My guy, first baseman guy. Oh, G-Man Choi. G-Man Choi. G-Man. G-Man Choi, the reason they signed him is he was the most shifted player in baseball. And they feel like he'll be able to hit now without the shift. That's so a good move. We'll see. Take a break. News and notes. Wrap the show after this. Stay with us. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show News and Notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. Gentlemen, we talked about it earlier in the program. Jim Bob Cooter will be the Colts' offensive coordinator. Frank, how do you think Doug Peterson feels about that? Well, I think knowing Doug the way I do, happy because he likes to see good things happen to his people. So I really do believe that. He also, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm not just saying that. That's the kind of guy he is. He wants. He's just really that good a guy. Having said that, he's got to replace an important part of his staff. I, I think the way he built that offensive staff, there was some there was some strategy to it. He took some time to get it right. 
You got a head coach that's a play caller and is a quarterback guy. You brought in a quarterback coach in Mike McCoy, who's a quarterback guy. You brought in an offensive coordinator, Press Taylor, who's a quarterback guy. And you brought in a a a passing game coordinator, Jim Bob Cooter, who's a passing game quarterback guy. There's a reason that they, that wasn't happenstance. You went and you built that staff for a reason. So Hayes, I think you've got a a good football coach that you got to replace. Yeah, absolutely. And again, Doug Peterson with his connections in the league, and 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 really the the talent that Jim Bob Cooter has as an offensive mind. I, he, you know, whether it was going to be Jim Bob or Press or or Mike, that I I'm sure Doug Peterson was preparing for the chance that he could lose one of these guys. And so I would imagine that while it, I'm sure it's difficult for Doug to see uh, one of his top assistants go, I have to think he's got, you know, three or four names at the ready. Uh, and I would not, th- I would not anticipate that this is going to take very long to get this void filled. And he probably knew going into it, Jim Bob Cooter's reputation because he was the passing game coordinator, not the offensive coordinator, it's going to be easier to lose him to a, an OC job. As far as the redraft goes, this is that fun time of year. Chris Tapasso of CBS Sports redrafted round one of last year's draft. Frankie has the Jaguars taking Sauce Gardner at one overall. Yeah, interesting. Not not Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden yeah. Hutchinson still goes second to the Lions yeah, yeah. in this And draft. Sauce Gardner's a good player. Redraft. I mean, he's, he's a really good cover corner. He's going to be – one of the elite cover corners, if not the elite cover corner in the next four, five, six years. Yeah, I mean, let's just be honest. If you could go back in time, mm-hmm. I think you would take Sauce Gardner. Yeah. Over, and I like Trayvon Walker. Yeah, yeah, And I yeah. think Trayvon yeah, Walker yeah. is is going to have a good career here. Yeah. Sauce Gardner is dripping with yeah, he's really good. generational yeah. corner. He was all pro I mean, as a rookie. He, yeah, yeah, he is a rookie. phenomenal. Yeah. If this team had Sauce Gardner <laughs> – a lot of fun. Yeah, I remember saying that at one point in the season, I, probably when the Jaguars were losing. Like, you could have had Sauce Gardner instead of Trayvon Walker, and, and you could have had someone else instead of Devin Lloyd, as well as far as— Did they do the Devin Lloyd pick? or since They it, did not because he was outside of it. I did look all the way through, but he did, He does have— Chris Trapasso does have Brock Purdy going 16th overall to the Saints in the redraft. Obviously, he went as the last pick in the Someone might have missed telling him. He goes and, 16 instead of 200 and whatever. Yeah. And Trapasso has Trayvon Walker going 30th to the Chiefs. Oh, wow, 30. That, that far down, huh? That far down. Wow. That may be a little extreme. I haven't given up. A, I thought he had a pretty good year. Yeah, I haven't given up to Trayvon Walker. He's going to be, he's going to be a good football player. I can, I, I'd be very surprised if four or five years from now the Jags are sorry they have Trayvon Walker. This isn't Taven Bryant. This is a good football player that they got to find the right thing for him. I really believe that. Jordan Dejani has 10 crazy NFL offseason predictions. We'll run through them. Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow reset the quarterback market. Yeah. I, uh, okay. I can see. I mean, they're both really good players. Really, really good players. I, I doubt they're ever going to be better players than Patrick Mahomes. They both play for cheap organizations, mm-hmm. which I'm going to be fascinated to see in terms of the signing bonus money and things like that, where these two contracts go I I and I'm also intrigued to see do they replicate the Kansas City Mahomes model of make it a 10-year deal I which at the time was it's still, it really still is a pretty unique contract what the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes it was like a 10-year 450 yeah. million dollar Close deal to half a billion. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see because certainly I would say with Burrow and with Herbert I think you'd be totally comfortable with the links of of, of that deal. I, you, 
you're not going to wake up in two years and be upset about Burroughs' play or Herbert's play. If they stay healthy, uh, they're going to be legit star players for the next decade. But, uh, but yeah, because the organizations are uh, do not have a lot of dollars, I will be surprised to see like the signing bonus and – I'd I'd be surprised if these are record contracts. I would be surprised too, based on what you're saying. But it does feel like every contract that gets signed is going to be the next crazy contract that they're not really going to have any choice. Another crazy offseason prediction: Hayes Anthony Richardson falls to the end of the first round. Is that that crazy? I don't think that's that crazy. Um, I, I I still again, it's easy to put out a mock draft where Anthony Richardson goes ninth. It's a whole other thing to be the guy who has to put his career or her career on that pick. And I, I think there is a very real possibility that we get to the first night of the draft and Anthony Richardson starts to fall uh, because it, he's just – I don't think you're going to see a lot of general managers, even the ones that are enamored with his physical talent, that say he's ready. And there are just very few general managers that are going to be patient enough to take somebody very high in the first round or in the first you know, 20 picks with the idea that they're not going to see him much their rookie year. This is, a, this is yeah. a, you know, not for long, NFL. And so I, I could see it happening. I mean, again, personality-wise, he's a fantastic kid. It's got nothing to do with that. But if you, if you doubt he's ready, and uh, it's it's tough to take him over a player that you know can come in and, and is ready for the NFL now. Yeah, the, and I agree with all of that. The flip side of that in terms of where he goes is it only takes one. You only need one guy to eschew that thinking and say, you know what, he throws it further than anybody, he throws it harder than anybody, the spirals are tighter than anybody's, he runs faster than anybody, he's bigger and stronger than anybody, I can teach him the rest. Now, I, 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 I mean, I hear Hayes' point, but and I think there's a chance he could drop because you don't find that one. That's your point. Um, but I but I think somebody could. But if you ask me that, so I'm fifty fifty. I think he could go top ten. I think he could look up and he's there in the mid twenties. All right, one more crazy offseason prediction from Jordan Dejani. <laughs> Frank Aaron Rodgers returns to the Packers and Lamar Jackson demands a trade. Um, I think both of those are very very possible. In fact, I'm now leaning toward Aaron Rodgers back to the Packers. Uh, the more I think about it, I'm leaning toward that. Uh, Lamar Jackson. That's a sticky one. It's clear he doesn't like where they are. He represents himself. His mom helps him with it, so he doesn't have an agent to cajole him to do either. It's clear he's not happy with where they are. It's clear they don't want to let him go. Yeah, I think I think a trade a, a trade request could be absolutely in the offing there. My guess is Lamar gets tagged and it's contentious, but ultimately plays for the Ravens for at least one more year. I think Rodgers returning to Green Bay is the third most likely scenario. Okay. I, I think it's uh, plays for another team, retires, returns to Green Bay. I, I will be really surprised if he returns to the Packers. I, I think that I think he's ready to move on, and I think the club is ready to move on. Yeah, forget the comments that I saw, but basically the, they did, I think Peter King's Football Morning in America, that the team believes, the Packers believe, that Aaron Rodgers kind of came in out of shape as far as last season and didn't treat the offseason the way that he should yeah, have. And yeah. so you've got that. Then you've got, obviously, him not making a decision yet uh, while he's still in that isolation retreat. Uh, by the way, Derek Carr signing with the Jets and Jimmy Garoppolo signing with the Bucks are the final two as far as quarterbacks go. Certainly the quarterback carousel is going to be fun to watch as we get uh, closer to free agency. 
As far as college basketball, UNF lost to Austin P 73 to 71 over the weekend. Carter Hendrickson had 21 points. Now UNF plays host to Eastern Kentucky Wednesday at 7 p.m. And the final regular season game is Friday. We will be there when UNF plays host to Bellarmine. And then JU lost to Lipscomb 62 to 59. JU plays host to Bellarmine Wednesday. We will be there as well. And Friday, JU plays host to Eastern Kentucky at 7 p.m. Frank, all of the yeah. A-Sun standings are, are starting to come into clear picture, except it seems like with JU and UNF. Well, it's a tough run for JU and UNF, but I'm going to defend them both. They were all close games. UNF won the long overtime game in the hundreds, and then they were right in the game till the very end, when that's what caused the fight is the guy was trying to bounce dunk one when the game had just finally been decided and it led to the fight. You see how JU lost to Lipscomb? JU wins the first game. You see how they lost? A banked-in three. Did you see that? Not not a typical three. The guy fired one up and banked it in to beat them at the buzzer. So I, I would not be surprised if JU and UNF have a little left. I really wouldn't. By the way, speaking of Bellarmine, we're going to see Bellarmine against both of them. That's right. We're going to see Bellarmine, JU. We'll, well. Be, we'll be live from JU Bellarmine on Wednesday. It's 5 o'clock start. And it will be live from UNF uh, Bellarmine on Friday. Yeah, one good thing, UNF tied for eighth with Queens. Uh, but Queens has – everybody just has two games left. This is the last week of the regular season for the A-Sun. Queens has two games left with Liberty. Uh, so Queens is probably going to go 0-2 this week. So that should help not just UNF, but also help JU. And uh, um, JU is tied for 10th. Again, only the top 10 teams go to the conference tournament. Uh, they're tied for 10th with Gulf Coast, who plays uh, Lipscomb uh, and, uh, and Austin P. So uh, it, it, I still think the odds are better that UNF and JU get in. Um, but the problem is once you get in, how long are you going to be able to stay in? We do know we are talking to our buddy Scott Manzi. So we talked about this a little last week about there's a Monday-Tuesday start to the tournament, and would that be in different cities? Yeah. And Scott told us that no. In fact, if UNF, JU make the tournament uh, as seeds 7 through 10, which is what it looks like it would be, they'll go straight to what the Tuesday site would be and play Monday night in the in the first game, and then if they win, stay over and play uh, either the one seed or the or the two seed the next night. Yeah, so certainly an important week of basketball for both of the local teams. Hayes, were you encouraged by Tiger's performance? He finished tied for forty fifth, one under at the Genesis Invitational. Absolutely, you know I think he's got to be really happy with it. It'll be now. I'm intrigued to see what is his schedule going. Obviously, mm -hmm. he's going to play the Masters if he's healthy. Uh, so if he doesn't have a health setback. Uh, so, you know, the big question for us is, does he compete in the Players' Championship? He, he looks like he's game ready for it. Uh, Jared, I thought, had a funny comment last week when he joined us, Jared Rice, saying, "It's there's not a lot of hills. It's a very walkable <laughs> course. Uh, but, yeah, I think you have to be encouraged with, with Tiger uh, when you look at the players who didn't make the cut. And uh, for Tiger to finish uh, T45, having not played in, in so many months, Thought it was really encouraging. Yeah, I, uh, I'll, I'll stay. What I'll stand by what I've said for the last three, four years. I don't think Tiger is ever going to be a factor again on the tour. I don't think he's ever going to win a major again. I'm not sure how much he'll win if he'll ever win again on tour. But I agree with Hayes. I, I was more encouraged by this. I find myself rooting harder for him than I have, and I was more encouraged by this. I'll say what: all the surgeries, all the stuff, the accident. He's a dang warrior, man. He 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 goes he he goes up there and he said it. Look, he said it after the tournament. He said the golf is not a problem; it's getting hold a hole. He said that, and and I and I believe him. I believe him. I mean, they, I mean, if they were all in carts, which they're not, nor should they be, then I would feel differently. Then I would feel differently. But because he he just said, he says he said I got the golf, and he proved it. 
it's just the body wears down. That's a lot of walking and a lot of grinding. I appreciate that Max Helma said, we'll carry him around the course if yeah, need be yeah, before yeah, uh, yeah. Genesis. I, I really applaud him. I, I have, but I wasn't a Tiger fan in large part just because everybody else in the world was. But I applaud how he's grinding all this stuff. It, it could be easy. He's, he's, he's got all the money he's ever going to need. He's got all the money 20 people would ever need. He And he said, no, nah, I'm going to – I, I kind of like what he's doing. I'm Man, I'd love it if he played here. And before we say hello to Rick Blue, it was a very tough Friday night for I know. my team. Florida Gymnastics lost its first meet of the oh. season at LSU. What? Was, LSU had a crazy good meet. Did somebody yeah. throw a shoe? No. No, thankfully, Marco well, Wilson well was played. not there. Uh, but, yeah, and they don't wear shoes. Um, but – uh, neither here nor there. Florida's still in second in the country, and so hopefully a better week lies ahead. Let's say a little they can't They can't mess up that way because they don't wear shoes. They don't shoes. wear shoes. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that protects against that would, DeMarco Wilson. That would be correct. Let's say a little Rick Blue. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping the sports world spinning with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. McBlue's in the house. I know you were locked into some XFL action over the weekend. Yes. I know you were <laughs> locked into Ben to whatever his name is. I love the, the, uh, the, the live referees yeah, behind the great. scenes. Yeah, it's fun. And it makes total sense that the NFL should pick up on that. Yeah, you talk about including the listeners. Yeah, yeah. Now we'd get a, a good understanding as to what they're actually calling. really what is going on. I think yeah. it'd be phenomenal. I, I did too. It, you wouldn't hear people complain about how long it takes because they feel like they're involved in the process. That's right. Even so. though, even though they may be less likely to say stuff in yeah. the NFL game, if you if they know everyone's listening, I, I'm with you. I like it very much. Yeah. Tiger played better. You ready for golf season? I right. am right. absolutely. I I just heard you guys talking. I hope he comes here. I don't know. You know, he wants to do the four majors and maybe a couple other events. But the fact that you're not going to have last year's champion here and everything else with the live, they took three more golfers over the weekend. Can you imagine? Um, what Tiger would do if he came here and played. Yeah. I kind of get the feeling he's not, though. He's never loved this golf course. Even when he won as an amateur, and obviously he's won as a professional. Uh, you know, I think he likes Bay Hill a lot better, obviously. Tons of success there. And that's his place. I'll be surprised if he comes. I hope I he does. Too. I will, too. I will, too. But it would be, be a wonderfully pleasant surprise. Okay. No doubt. All right, what's coming up? Oh, we got a lot tonight. I uh, got a good topic that I'm going to throw out to Jaguar fans, and I uh, got a couple of other things. Up the sleeve, so uh, looking forward to it. Uh, LSU won. Did that girl who pops up like on my phone all the time? Olivia yeah. Dunn. H- yeah. How did she place? I mean, <laughs> I'll be like reading about really Doc Ellis hey. pitching on Angel <laughs> Dust, and all of a sudden this photo of this LSU gymnast will pop up on my phone. So how did she she's, do? She actually was not a factor at all. Uh, okay. Yeah, surprisingly. Okay. She's still she's, on the team. <laughs> yeah, she's still on the team. She's sponsored by Viore, which is a brand of athletic wear. Okay. So that's why she's literally on every commercial because yeah. they yeah, it's she's an on NIL TV. deal. On TV. Yeah, she's on TV and apparently on Rick's and phone. When you're reading about Doc Ellis or <laughs> watching TV. Right? Yes, they're, they're absolutely. Reading why bad companies on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and bam, <laughs> she, she pops right up. Thank you, Rick. Rick <laughs> Oh, that is funny. Yeah, he makes a good point. She's everywhere. She is everywhere. I do have a pair I, I of those Viore joggers, though, and I highly recommend you did, them. I didn't know she was still, I on love the, them. She's still on the team, though. Yeah, she's still on the team, but she's not nearly as big of a factor as, like, uh, Aaliyah Finnegan. I, 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 never, I never thought about that. So she said that. She's the Anna Kornikova yes. of yeah, college yeah, gymnastics. Yes, yes okay. that is exactly yeah. right. And I know that because of all my gymnastics knowledge. Is what they do. <laughs> uh, folks, I'll do it for our program, but don't go anywhere. Rick Ballou goes into the night. Right now, we'll be back tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. By the way, 
As I listen to Thunder Road here, Dan Hicken, you said I didn't get to talk to Hick. I talked to him over the weekend, but not to the concert. He liked it, huh? He said it was a fantastic show, 27 songs in three hours. Yeah, that, that's what it was. And so I'll... Uh, and did... He saw it in Austin. Austin, Austin Texas. Yeah, where Austin. George Strait came out, right? Yeah, George... Oh, I didn't know that part. Yeah, George okay. Strait introduced him. Yeah. Yeah. Dan's not really a country fan, so... Yeah, he loves Too much, so that a part doesn't that surprise me he didn't That would have been my wife and my favorite. It yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Folks, that's our program. Rick Willow's next.